Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's going on? Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus with you for the next couple hours. And we have an absolutely packed show. Brandon Rewicki's going to jump on. We'll talk some NHL playoffs and Jets offseason with Brandon. We'll also hook up. We didn't do a regular lock shop today because Dusty's busy getting ready for this BC Lions game. He's broadcasting tonight nationally on TSN. So Chris Abbott from Coolbet's going to pop in, get his thoughts on the games coming up the lines for the weekend, as well as talk a little Blue Jays as Chris has been basically living at the Dome as of late and will continue doing so through the weekend with the Minnesota Twins in town to take on the red-hot Toronto Blue Jays. And a big game for Canada. I guess big game might be a bit of a stretch considering it is an international friendly. Uh, But they've replaced the Iran game with Panama on the weekend. And Gareth Wheeler, the voice of the Canadian men's national team on one soccer, is going to pop on the program, get a little update on the squad as they continue their preparation for the World Cup and their return to the World Cup in November in Qatar for the first time since 1986. And I can tell you, my partner was extremely excited to get the news that we'll be kicking things off today in about 20 minutes with none other than Willie Jefferson of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. One week away from the Bomber home opener Coming up next Friday, June 10th, against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, do want to give a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboy Downs, Canadian Club, Cool Bet Canada, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, and of course our friends over at Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway. Let's get this party started and welcome Michael Remus in. And uh, Remo, we have a lot of great guests on this program, but I don't remember you being as fired up as it excited to get uh, one of our all-time favorites and a WST Hall of Famer, Willie Jefferson, back on the show today. I'm in a good mood. It's Friday. Countdown to the start of the CFL season uh, next week where the Bombers host Ottawa. We'll be see raising of yet another banner. And Willie Jefferson, but he's moved here over the offseason and excited to have him back on the show. So uh, lots to get to. But yeah, going to be a fun Friday here with Willie. And what a great week it's been. If you missed any of the other shows on our YouTube and podcast, so. Uh, very exciting. Yes, I'm in a good mood. I'm ready. It's uh, nice and sunny out, as we can see out your window back there. Maybe it's uh, yes, yes, chill. beautiful, beautiful day today. Um, yeah. But now listen, it's not that warm. It is a little windy. I think we might get to 20 tomorrow. I think it's still going to be in the teens for the next little while, and then we might get into somewhat seasonal weather. That being said, I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going to be getting to the ballpark this weekend and see the gold eyes. It's been long enough. We kind of get through these terrible 10-degree days with gale force winds and hopefully get a few more butts in the seats, a few more beer bats in hands. And, uh, of course, Remo, I do have to. We're still waiting for an official WST review of the nacho helmet, and I think I will try to pull that off at some point this weekend. Yes, get a review. Take some pictures. I did see Andrew Collier tweeting today, fireworks night uh, at the ballpark. So good time to get out. I may have to check it out myself. Well, we're also going to have some great hockey to watch. Uh, Tonight, game two between the 
New York Rangers and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. But last night, it was the Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche. And the Avalanche now up 2-1. And I want to say a stranglehold on this series because, I mean, we really don't get the stranglehold until you either win two in a row on the road. Um, but I'll tell you what, Reem, considering going into last night's game, Pavel Francois was a very unproven goaltender was put in. You really thought this was the opportunity for the Edmonton Oilers. And I got to be honest, when they were able to kill that, what, one uh, one minute, 50 seconds at five on three in the first period, I thought this was their game to lose. They got it to 0-0 to the first intermission, and you realized, or you expected, at least I did, that you'd have some, maybe a few makeup calls coming back the other way, a few power play opportunities for the uh, Edmonton Oilers to sort of even things out. Um, but that didn't really happen until the Avalanche were up 3 nothing. I mean, two minutes, basically. Three quick goals. I mean, Mike Smith played really well in the first period, but he did not have it in the second. And, uh, man, if you give up three quickies to the Colorado Avalanche, you are pretty much done. Despite the fact that the Oilers came back the way they did in game number one, to be honest, it was the defensive acumen and performance of the Colorado Avalanche, led by Kale McCarr, who we usually associate with incredible offense and the job that he was able to do on Connor McDavid that really was the difference in that game. And, uh, man, the Oilers have a major, major hill to climb coming back home for Game 3 on Saturday. The line is, Huss, you series isn't over until a team loses at home, right? At least that was true. Uh, that was true in the Carolina series. Um, however, uh, Colorado, Stanley Cup favorite, Edmonton. I don't think they had those high aspirations. Maybe I got a bit excited about McDavid and Drysaddle's performance so far, putting up uh, near record point totals. But yeah, Kale McCarr, I mean, he's a defenseman who can go toe-to-toe with McDavid, maybe skating backwards, not quite as fast as, as forwards, but you, know, you can keep him and, and angle him to the outside where he's less dangerous. We kind of dumped on Pavel Francouz coming in as a backup. I mean, maybe it wasn't the busiest night, but hey, you got to stop the shots that you're given, and he certainly did that. Uh, with the shutout, so I think things kind of calmed down after that first game that went a little bonkers, and <laughs> 4 nothing Avalanche, I do think if you're an Oilers fan, you should be concerned. However, how much of a boost will the home crowd in Edmonton uh, give the team? I think that's something to watch for, so I'm not declaring it over by any means, but um, I think Avalanche are ready to stomp on what the throat of the Oilers here in game three. Well, they, they seem to have a, I mean, they played the type of game that um, you'd expect from a team that is poised to move on to the Stanley cup and maybe give a chance to win it. I, I mean, listen, they can score, but the defensive performance they had against the Oilers, mm. um, you know, had to leave a lot of concern in and around the uh, avalanche organization at the same time, a great confidence, by the way, one bird, I don't know if I if I said it was two one in the series that was obviously a misquote. I, I don't think I did, but no, it is two zero in the series right now. Both games won in Colorado, and now we move back for Game Three Saturday night against the uh, against the Edmonton Oilers. But um, Remo, the job that they did against McDavid um, last night, and as I mentioned, Kale McCarr gets all the credit. I mean, the speed that he had. And it was quite a brilliant play by Jared Bednar. I mean, you put a guy out against McDavid that'll have the best chance of of keeping up with him. And on a couple of occasions, uh, you know, McDavid had open ice. 
He was getting near top speed, and Kale McCarr was able to just turn around, skate with him, get him to the outside, and really eliminate some of the danger, the dangerous chances that he's generated by creating that sort of space and then taking it either to the net himself or centering it to one of his teammates. And, um, you know, a shutout can't be understated, especially we were joking yesterday about those Kubet lines for McDavid to score minus 769 to get a point plus 430 to get zero. Um, holy smokes. I mean, the team total under a half goal, there was probably some money to be made, but I don't think many people were jumping on that considering what we saw in game number one, a complete turnaround, certainly in the avalanche end of the ice. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And yeah, McDavid to not get a point would have paid you pretty nicely. If you did bet that we did look at that. I, you know, my picks <laughs> who I pick, I had Kadri and, uh, McCarr to score did not score, but certainly factor in Kadri with a nice. It says, I love seeing all the Leafs fans on Twitter very upset that Kadri no longer with the Leafs, and they have a double his more than double his salary in John Tavares for similar production. We did have um, some player safety discipline. Nice uh, twenty twenty five hundred dollar fine for Zach Cassian for unsportsmanlike conduct during the game. I know uh, Evander's trying to mix it up as well. I mean, hey, if you're going to lose, you might as well go out uh, trying to cause some stuff. I mean, that's all. I mean, you saw Tampa do it as well after their after their Oh, loss. for sure. Evander was playing with a lot of piss and vinegar last night. I mean, even in the first period, there was a scrum, and this game was tied. I'm not even sure they'd been to the penalty box yet. And Evander punched three guys in the same in the same scrum right in front of Pavel Francouz. He was certainly engaged early, but engaged a little more physically, unfortunately not very much with, uh, you know, quality grade A scoring chances. And that was a big part of what the Avalanche did so much better in game two that they did not do in game one. And now, of course, I mean, to me, this series is all about Saturday night. I mean, if the Avalanche are able to go in and take a 3 nothing series lead, We'll basically be just wondering how long can the Edmonton Oilers extend the series? Can they even get it back to Denver for a fifth game uh, on the uh, on the for Game Five of the series uh, playing on the road? Um, I, I, I'm sort of with you. I think there's going to be an incredible amount of energy in Edmonton tomorrow. I think the building will be rocking. They know they're moving up a couple weight classes, taking on uh, you know the the best team in the West. And I have a feeling that considering a very quiet night from McDavid and Dreisaitl last night, we'll see the best of those guys. Now, to Colorado's credit, if they play the way they did last night, it's still going to be difficult to put a number of them up. But, you know, defensively, they did a little bit better. I think Darnell Nurse is still really struggling, though. And that's major. That's a major, major issue going up against a team like uh, like Colorado. Pretty clear that the Avs are a heavy favorite to get this thing done. But I'm hoping for a longer series, but... For that to happen, we're going to need a big, big bounce-back performance by Edmonton in front of their home fans on Saturday night. Yeah, it's amazing to me how strong this Colorado defense is, even without Sam Girard, uh, Byram, Taves, McCarr. These guys are, are so strong. Josh Manson, nice acquisition. All playing uh, big minutes. And uh, Darnell Nurse, you know, we remember last year against the Jets when he played like half, would play half the games. Um, a lot of speculation that he's dealing with Didn't an injury. Did he play 50 minutes in the triple OT game? It was something, yeah, it was something <laughs> like out of control. And he seems to be nursing injuries. He's been on for a lot of goals against. He was a minus three yesterday. So I'm not sure if they look to reduce his ice time or what, but um, that's a lot of the speculation that he's definitely not 100%. 
Well, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, Duncan Keith actually led the Oilers with ice time last night. And he did. You know, we were just talking about putting out Kale McCarr going up against Connor McDavid, just sort of the speed on speed aspect. Mm -hmm. He's the one guy that can keep up with him and gives you the best chance of not having all those odd man rushes and, you know, do your best to neutralize it. Like, I think we saw, heck, we saw what Kempe did to, to Duncan Keith in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of smarts. He knows the game very well, but he probably has lost a bit of a step. And if that's the guy that you're relying on the most up against the likes of Nate McKinnon, I mean, it is a tall task. I think we all knew that, you know, Edmonton had the high-end talent, but they didn't have the depth of a team like Colorado. And, you know, in a game like last night, I think we saw that tested and, um, listen, if they're going to win this game, if they get back, going to get back into the series, it's not going to be on the third defense pairing or the fourth line. It's going to be on the big boys up front. Although there was many questions about why Woodcroft went with the fourth line after that first goal. Um, you know, you had your fourth line on right afterwards. They got scored again. And the next thing you know, it's three, nothing. And, uh, pretty much you're looking ahead to game three. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. They need, you know, McDavid and Dreisel aren't going to score. Uh, can be tough for them to win. Uh, some great, great analysis there. But uh, hey, they got shut out. I think we'll see a bounce back game. How much will they bounce back? Uh, I'm not sure. I know I may have picked Edmonton before the series, but Colorado showing why they were the consensus favorite heading into the playoffs. And they've basically, I mean, if they uh, beat up on Edmonton, but they steamrolled Nashville. I don't know if we're gonna have a sweep. Maybe that's premature. Seventy uh, percent of people in chat who have voted on this poll think the Oilers are in fact done. But uh, this Colorado team could be looking good, pretty good heading into the cup final against Tampa or the New York Rangers who play uh, game two tonight. Well, speaking of those New York Rangers, let's get to uh, to game two tonight. I uh, And we'll get into this with Chris Abbott a little bit later on when we kind of look at the lines and uh, discuss how things are looking as well as Tampa is an underdog right now for the series if you want to get it on. Um, I don't know Reem, about you, but it's just so hard to go against the the narratives of Andre Vasilevsky and the Lightning after a loss, um, what they've been able to do, and the fact that this is such a tough team to beat. I mean, I, they had a week off. They did not look sharp. I mean, is there anyone that doesn't expect the Tampa Bay Lightning to be a far better team tonight? And if that's the case, I think we're going to be talking about a 1-1 series heading back to Florida after tonight at MSG. Where are you at? Yes, narrative street. Uh, first, what the first one was? Oh, Tampa after a long layoff, they're gonna be they're gonna be rusty, and they definitely were. Um, what giving up more goals in game one than they did in the entire series against Florida? If that's that's pretty hard to believe for Florida, one of the top scoring teams in the league. Uh, but the narrative tonight: Vasilevsky and Tampa after a loss, watch out for them. And I'm gonna hop on that. They're not gonna be as sloppy as they were, um, allowing a, a high number of what a slot, uh, sorry, cross ice passes. You saw Zubanejad uh, with the one-timers. He was firing a pass to Vasilevsky. So uh, I would take, be on, on Tampa tonight, even if they are they are a favorite, but it seems like it's setting up for them to have a rebound and tied series. This one, I think, could go for a while. Uh, this Rangers-Tampa seem, seem pretty even. Yeah, well, uh, and and to be honest, just considering what we've seen from Vasilevsky in these bounce back games, I'm looking at uh, the the New York Rangers goal total for tonight. Uh, the number is set at two and a half, and the under is minus one hundred eight. But one and a half, which would be a shutout or a one goal game, would be plus two forty five. So, 
Uh, anyways, we'll check into those with Chris mm. Abbott a little later on when he joins us to get into the cool bet lines. As I mentioned, we're also going to be talking a little soccer before the end of the program. Canada's men's national team taking on Panama in an international friendly. We're going to have Willie Jefferson on, and we will get to the latest Jets offseason news and Stanley Cup playoffs with Brandon Rewicki. Uh, but Remo, we do have a little bit of Trots Watch information coming out of who else? Elliot Friedman. And this is an interesting quote. It doesn't think the Jets have interviewed anyone else, and it really does seem like the organization is all in on Barry Trotz. Um, here it is. I'll just read this for you straight up from 32 Thoughts. It's hard to say how long everyone is willing to wait, but several coaching sources said things are gummed up while Barry Trotz's future unfolds. Trotz has informed interested teams he won't rush, making sure his next NHL stop is best for him and his family. It's difficult to predict the timeline. What's also difficult to predict is how long some of his pursuers wait before asking another date to the prom. Some teams aren't in a huge hurry, as there are a lot of good candidates and not are uh, not all are available as of yet. Several of them have begun interviewing other potential hires, but I'm not sure anyone is close. Here's the key bit about the Jets. I do believe Winnipeg is very, very serious about trots. To the point, I'm not convinced they've done detailed interviews with anybody else. He's also believed to have communicated with Dallas, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Vegas. And, and, and another bit on that, and this sort of comes from some conversations we've had and it's been reported you know, elsewhere uh, that Scott Arneal is very much in the mix. Uh, they're sort of pumping the brakes on that, saying that Scott Arneal could end up with the Jets, but it's not a guarantee. And I'm not sure, certainly from what I'm hearing, that maybe things are as far down the road as maybe appeared from uh, from some other folks. But certainly Arneal is a guy that is greatly respected from, uh, you know, with in people in the organization, has great experience, did a hell of a job as Manitoba Moosehead coach, has NHL experience, has been on the bench for a number of years as an assistant and associate coach. I'm sure he would be in the mix. But from all accounts right now, Remus, it really does sound like it's all about Barry Trotz. And if that doesn't come to fruition, they certainly have those other plans, but I don't think they're spending a lot of time on those plans right now, hoping that they get the guy at the top of their list. Yeah, this was a bit surprising to see. I gotta be honest, I loved Elliot's use of the term gummed up. I think I first heard that in like FUBAR in 2002, where like Diener's like, oh, it's all, all gummed up, uh, referring to something. So I gotta give a shout out there. This was interesting. Seems like the Jets are AI all in on Barry Trotz. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Yeah, pushing the chips all in. And we did hear that does go with what LeBron said earlier this week, full court press for Barry Trotz. So, I mean, if they don't land him, I'm curious about that, but they're kind of banking on being the home province, being a great situation for him. Um, so to Dallas, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Vegas interested. So, I mean, we can cross our fingers. I don't know if they're putting on such a all-in. Why hasn't he decided yet? Like, what's, what's the issue that he's hung up on? Is it the weather or is it, you know, making sure that it's, that is the best for him and his family? Well, yeah. I mean, you gotta, exp you gotta explore all of your options before you make a decision. I mean, I, I think he's probably pretty clear that the Jets are serious and what they have on the table and what they would, you know, the things that he was looking for in this next job. I'm pretty sure they put their best foot, best foot forward and done that. Um, but as he said, 
he was going to be thorough at this. He was going to talk to people, find out that, you know, where, where it makes the best most sense for him. And, you know, certainly the Winnipeg Jets are hoping that the lure of coming back to Manitoba and everything that they've discussed, you know, has him interested and makes him make the, make the, uh, the next coach. Um, here's some other things. So Rob Mahoney, excuse my confusion. How is our Neil a lock then? I'm not sure that he is at this point. I guess that's what I'm telling you right now. And certainly hearing that from, uh, from Elliot Friedman today. Um, they, uh, let's see, we'll place Barry. Some people do believe that Arneal would be an associate coach and I could certainly see it working. Um, I think the first thing that needs to happen though, is Barry Trotz getting hired. If that is the case or the other head coach and, and, and move on from there. Uh, we will see big guy. If Trotz is the only one interviewed by jets, does that mean the jets are confident they will get their man? Uh, listen, I can't speak to their level of confidence right now. I think that if they were less than confident about it they might be moving a little bit more in other directions uh, and i think they know that they still might have to do that i don't know about you reem but i think they probably do feel like they've got a very good chance of landing barry trots and at this point that's their number one priority and and there is still some time i mean we are still over a month away from the national hockey league draft i certainly think that that draft would be uh, you'd like to have your coach in place by then um, and if it's, you know, shortly before that, you know, obviously I don't think that's going to change what the scouts and the organization is doing, getting ready for the picks. The big thing about the head coach though, Reem, uh, especially with this club right now, you know, there's potentially some big moves that could happen with some pretty key players in this off season. And especially if you're bringing in a guy like Barry Trotz that has an interest in management that, you know, would have some sort of say in it. I think you definitely want to get that done and have him involved in some of those decisions going forward if you're going to make some potential franchise-changing trades involving top players at big money. Yeah, that's a good point. The draft, July 7 and July 8 in Montreal, so just over a month away, as you mentioned. So there is still some time to get a head coach in place before then. And if we do see some franchise-altering moves or some big changes, um, I would think a head coach would want to know what he's getting into before he accepts the job. And someone like Barry Trotz, so we've heard, wants to be in management. I think he would want to have a say in that too, of what types of players come in. So we do have time as much as we want this to happen immediately. And, and, but it seems like uh, he's weighing all his options. And uh, we mentioned the teams involved. I mean, there could be even more suitors as well. Maybe we're speculating if there was a change in Florida. So um, that is the latest from Elliot. The the one thing that did surprise me, considering we talked earlier about Arneal being a near lock, sounds like that may not be the case, apart according to what Elliot is saying here. Yeah, it, listen, it sounds like there's a little bit of pushback on that. Uh, listen, that doesn't rule anything out. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I mean, I think that, you know, it may have been a little premature right now. We'll see how that shakes out. Anyways, we'll talk about this with Ruwiki coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but in just a second, we're going to bring in a Winnipeg Sports Talk Hall of Famer to talk about next week's Winnipeg Blue Bomber home opener. Um, well, they already had opening day up at Aikens Lake. We're going to be out there a little later on this year. Cannot wait for it. 
Uh, if you're thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing trip here in the province of Manitoba, where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot for you. Find out more online at akinslake.ca, and we'll, of course, tell you all about it when we're out there a little bit later on this year. Find out more. Follow them on their socials as well. You get a real good taste for the people and everything going on at Aikens Lake, at Aikens Lake on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Wallace and Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and over head door specialist serving residential and commercial customers since 1946 if you need the security and protection of a fence they've got you covered vinyl ornamental welded wire chain link or wood whatever you need wallace and wallace is there for you and if it's time to replace your garage door they also have winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors give them a call at 452-2700 one of the experts at wallace will come and arrange a time to give you a free estimate you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, and hey, we're going to get one of the best-dressed dudes in the league to uh, jump on the show right now. I think Willie Jay has been uh, had a little uh, F apparel suit. We saw what he was wearing at the Player Awards the last couple of years. Of course, if you want to get down and get the best in men's clothing, custom suits beginning at $400, it's F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown, and you can check them out online at F-E-P-H Apparel. Dot com. And hey, you might not be needing a suit, but I think you might look good at a big blue number five jersey. We've got a chance to win one for you coming up with Willie Jefferson. And of course, an expanded bomber section at Royal Sports is ready to go for next week's home opener. Back-to-back -back merchandise, new gear, the new third jersey with the two stripes for the Grey Cup. It's all there at Royal Sports in addition to soccer, softball, baseball, disc golf, tennis, bikes, whatever you need to dominate Spring and summer, Royals there for you. 750 Pemina Highway and on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Follow them for the latest merchandise drops and sales. All right, speaking of the best dressed dudes around, let's welcome him in. The land shark himself, Willie Jefferson, back on Winnipeg Sports Talk one week from the Bomber Home Opener. What's up, Willie? I'm here, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy for the season to finally be on its way. Come on down to Winnipeg, baby. You know what time it is. You're looking good. A little Larry Bird Celtics 33. You watched the game last night? How about that comeback? Hey, you know it, man. It was a it was a crazy start. 21 points, Steph Curry in the first quarter. I was I was scared for a second. I was scared for a second, but you know, second half team, halftime, make some adjustments. Came out. Al Horford did his thing in the fourth quarter. You know, defense took over, did they thing, came out with a big win. Hey, championship teams do big things in the fourth quarter up against it. That performance by the Celtics last night kind of reminded me about you and your teammates against the Ticats in that last great cup. Hey, man, defense win championships. All, all, we, all they have to do is keep handling business, don't get too complacent, don't get uh, uh, too high up on themselves, and just keep playing defense, playing Celtics basketball, and... Hopefully, we can come out Celtics in five. <laughs> five. Woo, that's aggressive. That's aggressive, Willie. I think I, I want seven. We got to get a great seven-game series, and I'll be, I'll be fine with whoever wins as long as we can stretch this thing out for a couple of weeks. Although, once we get to next Friday, we're going to be focusing on a big football game at IG Field. But before we even get there, there's some congratulations in order. Congratulations to you, your beautiful wife, 
the uh, Team Jefferson expanding in 2022. That's fantastic. And I guess another little girl. You're already such a great girl, Dad. Now you're going to be doubling up for Kelly to have a sister. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank y'all so much. Yeah. Uh, the blessing, you know, uh, was happy, was able to find out the gender of my, my second baby with a couple of the players from the team, you know, the guys that didn't travel to uh, Saskatchewan for uh, for the second preseason game. Uh, they were able to come and, you know, be there with me when I found out what gender my baby was going to be. And, you know, I was happy. Uh, surprise, you know, you know, me and my wife, Holly, you know, we, uh, we're excited. You know, we can't wait till September comes around and, and the baby gets here. So, yeah. Well, and, and you know what, it'll be, I mean, just another even further connection with you and your family in the city of Winnipeg. I mean, I, I knew you were moving everything back. Uh, Kelly is all excited to be back here in Winnipeg. Of course, we see the great stuff your wife does in the city on her social media feeds. I mean, uh, does it? Does the Jeffersons feel, uh, do you feel like this is home now for you and uh, you and your family? Most definitely. You know what I'm saying? We're here, uh, made the big move, you know, got settled in, getting settled in still. Uh, just getting comfortable, you know. Uh, as of right now, not don't don't plan on moving back to Texas for the next couple of years or so, like that. So you know, as of right now, you know, what I'm saying Winnipeg is home. Trying to uh, trying to lock in some things uh, outside of football, uh, like in the off season and things like that. So I can stay busy. My wife can stay busy. Kelly can stay occupied, uh, active. And things like that and just try to make this make this uh our new home yeah, well considering the new addition coming in a few months i don't think you guys will have a hard time staying active at all and uh of course you and your teammates are going to be active in a week how uh how's training camp been and, and just before we even get to camp what what was your perspective on everything going between the pa and the league and the um, the fact that it took a little while to to get a deal done. Were you nervous at all about it? I mean, did you just sort of stay out of it? And and how do you and your teammates feel now that this deal was done late last week? Well, me personally, I was kind of like on the fence because like I was, you know, like I'm like the next guy in line for like the PA stuff when it comes to like the team. You know, I'm, I'm a leader in my group. So uh, bigs. Adam Big Hill is our CFL PA rep, and he's also he also was a part of the negotiating committee for the PA for the players and things like that. So when things started to get toward the end, and we were already like closer to camp or in camp and things like that, and we had to sit out for those three four days so those guys can get the uh, the wording and all that stuff uh, figured out. I was not worried because uh, the guys that we have in the PA are old players. They know what players want. They know what players need. You know, coming from a player standpoint, and they also are, you know, grown men. You know, they know uh, what the players need. You know how they feel about certain things and uh, the things that they want. And I felt like the PA did a great job communicating that to the players, the teams, and also uh, putting that on paper for the CFL owners and the and and their side to understand where we were coming from and i am happy with the decision that we made as a pa as a uh, as a group to get the ball rolling and i'm uh i'm happy that we you know got something done and 
we're playing football. You know, uh, when it comes to negotiations, when it comes to negotiations to the end, and especially after we sat out for those days and things like that, uh, somebody was gonna have to take a somebody's gonna have to take a loss, and somebody was gonna win. Uh, I felt like we both took a loss, but we both also gained something that we actually really wanted. Uh, for I guess from just from my standpoint, I don't know about everybody else, but from my from my standpoint, being a veteran player playing with Canadians, you know, to the you know what I'm saying right on side of me, uh, offense, defense, special teams, uh, especially having the seven the uh, the seven Canadian uh, ratio spot stay that was big for uh, for the players, and I guess for the the owners and things like that, getting the shoulder pads uh back in the play was something that they got and you know it was a give give win win type of thing and i'm happy we're back playing football hey I, i'm glad and everyone's happy we're not going to be dealing with this for another five or seven years or whatever we can exactly. focus on that i mean that the, the length of the deal i think was great but you mentioned the pads i'm interested as a veteran player where were you at on padded practices? Because I know that's something. There's some guys that like to go out and throw a few hits around. It feels like that gets them game ready. But again, we've also seen what the data says that, um, you know, injuries were significantly down over the last couple of years. I mean, was there a, did you guys find a happy medium that you and your teammates are pretty su uh, satisfied with? I felt like I felt like the, the PA, as like I said, as veteran players, players that uh, the guys that are on the PA negotiation board, are older players. I felt like they knew what we were giving up when we said we were going to do the pads. Uh, 12 weeks, 12 weeks of pads uh, for only 45 minutes. You know, you can't beat that. You know, yeah, that's that's half a practice. And, you know, uh, 12 weeks, you know, out of 18 weeks, out of 18 weeks, you know, it's fine. You know, if you want to, if you want to get the, the first 12 weeks out, I mean, you know, with the bye weeks and things like that, get your first 12 weeks of pads out the way. And then for the rest of the season, you go without pads or you can go, you know, every other week or when you know you're playing against a, a, a big run team, put the pads on early in the week and, and, and structure it out how you want to. I just I just know for me as a as a veteran player, somebody who was here in the CFL when we had to wear pads, whenever the coaches said for practice, and then going to – not having to wear pads at all for practice, and then now coming back to where we only have to wear them for 12, 12 practices out of the season for only 45 minutes, it, it's, it's fine with me. Uh, I feel like the PA worded it right, and they got it to where uh, it was beneficial for the players. Willie Jefferson's with us. Well, Willie, we've talked about family business first. We've talked about the off-field business. Now let's talk about the winning business. And you guys are looking to win a third straight championship. Um, how's training camp been? Once you got all that done and you were worried just solely about this upcoming season, how are you feeling personally? And uh, how's the squad looking? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling blessed. Uh, uh, agile as ever. You know, elusive as ever. Uh feeling a little bit faster after, you know, getting off the couch, running around with the guys, you know, running from Yosh, running from Stan, trying to chase down Zach, chase down Dembski, uh, Rasheed, Zach, uh, I mean, Greg, uh, and those guys, man, I'm just, I'm just ready for the season. I can't wait to see our offense go out there and take the field and, and, and give our fans so much to cheer for, you know what I'm saying? This season, I know we have a lot on our back, but, uh, 
after the ring ceremony, all that, all that 2019, 2021 stuff kind of went out the window, you know. Um, we're here. We're ready for 2022. We're ready to take on this season and take on whatever obstacles this season brings to us. You know, we know uh, it's a target on our back. It's a target on our on our on our on our head. Uh, from going back to back, you know, not too many people have 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 done that. And now to try to uh, get the team back together the way we did, have a, a good training camp, uh, uh, going into the season now, uh, trying to go for this three peat is is we just don't want to we just don't want to have that as our uh as our label you know we don't want we're not we're not thinking about three p we just want to win and keep winning and and play team football play winnipeg blue bomber football give our fans something to cheer for give our give our organization something to be proud of you know this is, this is the way we work this is the way we play football and this is this is how we handle things you know what I'm we don't want to sit back and look on the past or you know accolades and things like that to come in the future we want to we want to work keep working and when you know it's all over said and done uh what have we done where where are we that's what we want well it, it's funny and you know it's probably a great attitude to have because all you can do is worry about the next uh drive the next quarter the next game but i can assure you that winnipeg blue bomber fans will take up the mantle of reminding everybody else in the canadian football league who are the back-to-back defending chaps and who the team to beat is this year while you guys focus in hey as far as camp has gone um you know you're right though it is a new team there's a number of new players i mean certainly that the core of this group is back again looking to run it back but um has there been a player or two a newcomer that sort of caught your eye that stood out so far through training camp willie all right so a player so some players that have stood out to me during camp, I can give you offense, defense, and special teams. So a player that has stood out to me uh, from the offensive side of the ball, from the offense side of the ball, is Dalton Schoen. I think that's how you say his last yep. name. The wide receiver from, from Kansas State. He's He showed up. He showed up and, and, and made some plays. Um... Uh, Blake Jackson has 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 came back from his from his injury last year and, and, and put up some and put up some good numbers. And also Brady and J, uh and Johnny. Those are the guys that like, you know, cause Johnny, Johnny and Brady came in this year without without Andrew to lead them and things like that. They knew that a lot of the uh running back duties were gonna be on them. And those guys have stepped up, and I and I, I really like the way they uh, came through camp. You know, tried to make it every day, didn't try to miss any days. You know, what I'm saying with injuries and things like that. So, those are the guys that kind of like actually stood out to me. New guys besides Brady and Johnny that actually stood out to me uh, from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, also, Dakota uh, has had a had a really good camp. Prue Cup, the quarterback. And from the defensive side of the ball, I'll start from the D-line. So uh, Cedric Wilcox, Kenny Randall, those two uh, from the defensive line have had a really good camp. Uh, saw some good things from those guys. Uh, Linebacker-wise, number 54, Malik. 
He has shown some 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 good things. So Malik, number 54. Uh, number 38, Rutledge. Uh 35, Demario Houston. Saw some good things from the draft pick. Saw some good things from the draft pick. Uh four and um Renee Patrice. Renee saw some good things from those guys. Saw some good things from uh Malcolm as well. The uh safety from Laurier. Uh yeah. So, it sounds like uh, sounds like the GM and the scouts have been doing a good job filling the funnel, replacing some of these spots that we've uh, we've gone out. Well, Willie, it, it, listen, it now the preseason is finished for you guys. The rest of the preseason finishes tonight, next week, back on the practice field for week one, game week. And of course, the home opener. Um, what's the feeling? What's the vibe around the champs when uh, getting back at home, raising another banner, and starting another quest to uh, hopefully win another championship for the city of Winnipeg? Man, we're anxious. We're anxious. We're hungry, uh, determined, ready to give our fans. Like I said, I, I'm going to keep saying it, man. Like Coach Osh is something that he talks about a lot, man. We play, we play for one another on this team and we also play for our fans. You know, our fans give us uh that boost when when we need it, when we're out there and things like that. And 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 you see, uh that's something that we play for. Uh we just anxious, man, like the environment that that we get on game day here at, at IG Field and the uh the motivation we get from our fans, the the preparation that we go through during the week just to lead up to the game. So when we get to the game, everything is already locked in, dialed up, and and ready to go. And then we just go out there and have fun. It's 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 no thing to think, it's nothing to think about when we out there on the field. We just out there going through assignments, having fun, playing football with each other. Well, uh, fun is what it's all about, and uh, I don't know if anything. It'll be a long time before maybe we have as much fun as we did while freezing our butts off the West Final. But uh, a nice summer day with some better weather to kick off the season, I think, is what everyone's looking forward to. And I couldn't help but notice on your Instagram, like if you couldn't do anything more for Bomber fans, Willie does it again. A special promo code to get your tickets for the home opener, where if you use bluebombers.com slash Willie, you can buy your ticket through the link, and Willie's gonna have the first Molson Coors drink on the house. Tell us about it. On the house, man. You know Molson uh, is. I guess they are a sponsor for the team, part of the uh, IG field. Uh, what? It's part of the IG field uh, drinks and stuff like that. So you go online, you click the link, Buy your tickets. The first drink is uh, complimentary on me and the Blue Bombers. We just want you guys to come out, have a great time at the season opener. Finally got some sun in Winnipeg. Enjoy it. Enjoy some football. Have your drink. And, and not just that. I mean, that's just great that everyone will get to. Anyone that gets the uh, the, the your, their ticket for the game through the blombers.com slash Willie link, also going to be entered to win an autographed jersey from big number five. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? We trying to we trying to do whatever we can to get the fans out of the house to IG Field to see us play this home opener June. It's gonna be a beautiful day. It's gonna be a beautiful time to get out, watch some football, got the opportunity to win a jersey. You got a chance to get a free drink and have some fun with some 
wonderful people with the loudest fans in the in the CFL. What else can you ask for? No doubt. And you know what else is neat about this game is uh, it's the return of our old friend Paul Apolise with the Ottawa Red Blacks and, and, you know, did not get a chance to play Coach Lapo last year in his first year. You and the defense looking forward to maybe giving him a hard time on Friday night? Most definitely. I can't, I can't wait to I can't wait to see Lapo and, and, and give him all that I got. Willie, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, once again, congratulations to you and Holly on the new addition to the Jefferson family. And uh, let's uh, hopefully we're talking about a 1-0 team after next Friday night. And most importantly, a great fun atmosphere and a packed IG field to welcome you guys back for another season here in Winnipeg. Yes, sir. Winnipeg 2022. Come on down. Let's have some fun. <laughs> have a great one, Willie. Thanks so much. There it is, Willie Jefferson of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And again, uh, if you go to www.bluebombers.com slash Willie, that's W-I-L-L-I-E, you can buy your tickets through the Willie Jefferson link. You'll get your first drink included, and every ticket purchased through the link will enter you to win an autographed jersey from the Land Shark himself, one Willie Jefferson. Uh, all right, we're going to get Remo back in here in a second. But, uh, hey, a big thank you to our friends at Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Culligan have been the leaders in the water game as a family-owned business for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. They got you covered for water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. So whether you need it for the home, your cottage this summer, or the office, talk to the folks at Culligan, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180 and online at drinkculligan.com. Gang at Manitoba Battery is ready for the weekend, and of course, Donnie and his staff working extra hard to take care of Winnipeggers and Manitobans, not only giving them the best prices on batteries in town, and of course, with fantastic service, easy to pick up, as well as delivery in and around the city. Um, They've got the extra hours, so you can maybe be spending a little bit more time during the week on what you need to do so you can make the most out of those weekends. You can pop down and see Donnie and the gang save money and time over the big box stores like Costco and Canadian Tire. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue, 7838787, and online at manitobabattery.com. Our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, of course, are great sponsors of the program as well. Vita Health Fresh Market has great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and some amazingly delicious lunch options at the Vita Market Grab and Go Deli, including Vita sandwiches, soups, salads, and more, especially that falafel salad everyone loves. And you can also get ready for some uh, delicious and healthy barbecue options, including delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. Uh, and if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, we're going to hook up with Cool Bet Chris, get a little Jays report from him, hit the lines for the games this weekend. We're also going to talk Canada soccer with Gareth Wheeler. 
coming up a little later on. And of course, it's Friday. That means we will have a marble race. So make sure you stick around mm -hmm. until the end of the program. You do have to be subscribed to win in the marbles. And bottom line is if you're here already and you haven't subscribed, what are you waiting for? Hook the boys up, hit that red subscribe button, hit the thumbs up on the episode as well. And if you are listening to the podcast, always appreciate folks popping on to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star rating in that little review of why you enjoy Winnipeg Sports Talk. Greatly appreciated to everyone that does that for us. All right, let's uh, get Rewiki in here on a Friday afternoon. Oh, the hair's looking good today, folks. Get ready for this. Brandon Rewiki joins us, the host of the very popular Skates and Plates podcast. Rue, what's going on? How are you? Did you just get a cut? I'm doing it. I just got a cut for you. You you, you did a little <laughs> schedule change on me, so I had to make sure I looked sharp and just finished uh Top Chef season finale. So I'm I'm all over the place right now. I'm good, I'm good to go though. It's good to be on with you. Were you participating in the Top Chef season finale, or is that the, that's a show that you actually watch? Yeah, that's that. Yeah, maybe 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 if I get like 20 more years of cooking under my belt, I might make it on there, but just yeah, just there to watch it, and and happy happy that my uh, my horse in the race came through. I won't I won't throw out any spoilers because I know <laughs> I know the Top Chef uh, fan group is kind of your demographic. So uh, absolutely, absolutely, I wasn't aware that that was still a show, but uh, I'm sure there are some people like yourself that that, that do enjoy it. Um, listen, I want to get to the uh, the playoffs, and obviously we'll talk about the uh, Oilers Avs series and uh, this game tonight between the uh, Lightning and the Rangers. Uh, but early in the program, we were talking about sort of the latest news on the Jets coaching search. And I just wanted to get your response. I mean, the Friedman report that doesn't really think that the Jets have interviewed anybody else right now. It really does seem like they're all in on Barry Trotz. And, and I guess that can be taken two ways. I mean, partly you would think that, well, maybe there's a real level of confidence that this is going to get done. Uh, but at the same time, you know, do you put all your eggs in one yeah. basket and then find yourself? But the bottom line is, I'm not sure much is happening around the league right now. It really does seem like pretty much everyone is waiting to see what happens with Barry Trotz, the number one choice of most teams that have a vacancy right now, and then take it from there, considering we still have more than a month until the draft. Yeah, it's a good strategy until it doesn't work, and then you're kind of left <laughs> with nobody there at the altar with you. So we'll, we'll see, but... I, I'm still remaining pretty steadfast on where I thought this is going to go, you know, a few weeks ago. Like, nothing's really changed, if anything. It's been a little bit more op optimistic on Winnipeg's side of things. But I think Winnipeg is, is still the clear frontrunner to, to land Barry Trotz as their head coach. Um, you know, the Scott Arneal report that came out as well, I, I don't really view that as a negative either because Arneal worked as part of Barry Trotz's staff in the past with the Capitals, I believe. I, I, I think right now... I'm, I would maybe even lean a little bit towards, I would be surprised if the Jets didn't land Barry Trotz. I, I do think that the Flyers would be the one team that could swoop in and pull him away if they offer some crazy number on, on a salary and they're offering them two, $3 million more per year than what Winnipeg is planning to offer. But you look at the whole package, you know, the Jets have a talented roster. I, I think they're going to pay Trotz and, and compensate him fairly well. And it sounds like maybe they more than a lot of other teams are going to offer him a piece of pie when it comes to management. And it's his home province, right? Like if this is going to be his last stop, why not make it super close to home? So, yeah, I, I don't think anything's changed for me. And like I mentioned, if anything, it's been strengthened a little a bit by the fact that Elliot Friedman kind of hinted that, you know what, Winnipeg is maybe themselves believing that they've got this one 
closer to the finish line. Uh, let me ask you this, because, I mean, you're as tuned in on what's happening with the Flyers as anyone. Um, what are you hearing about that Flyers job? We know Trotz is a guy. What are they saying in and around Philly about him? And is there a clear number two guy that Philly seems to have in the mix right now uh, as far as that goes? Yeah, so the Flyers job sucks. That, that's what I'm hearing <laughs> from my sources. <laughs> from your sources, your sources yeah. yourself, and I my, kind of agree my, with you. My sources is the Rewiki family who's had to watch this crap for the past 20-plus years. No, I mean, they're kind of in the same boat that Winnipeg is in. Trotz is number one by a mile. They're, that's, that's, their, that's their go-to candidate. I don't know, though, how much of management they're willing to offer. There's already a lot of cooks in the kitchen in Philly. And, you know, I, I wonder if that might be the biggest impediment to to Barry Trotz potentially landing with the Flyers. But if they don't land the big fish, there's been a few interesting names. I, I, I really would like to see what Kirk Muller can do, given another chance behind the bench. He had just a brief stint with Carolina a few years ago, but... I think he's won three cups as an assistant coach in three different locations, at the very least two. So he's proven that he's a pretty damn good coach. Might just be a guy that needs a second shot at it, and you see him maybe take off a little bit. So, I mean, there's his name. One of the underrated ones that I like, too, is is Mike Vellucci, who was previously the head coach and GM of the Charlotte Checkers. He's won championships as a coach and manager in, in basically every level he's ever coached at. And he's now been a, an assistant with Pittsburgh the past two seasons. That's a guy that I think, you know, you give him a shot and, and he might find a way to uh, not let that one go for a, for a long time. So I think those are the two the two main ones that I've heard out of uh, Philadelphia right now. And then the final one would be Jim Montgomery, who did a great job with Dallas. And, you know, I think everyone knows the personal reasons why um, he was let go from, from that position. But those would be the three names that have Barry Trotz isn't locked up in Philadelphia that I think they would lean towards. I don't I don't really put a lot of stock into the I don't know, the the more media popular names like Rick Tockett and John Tortorella. As, I wanted as to ask you about Tockett because I mean of course Tockett, you know, we talk a lot about guys that have ties to Winnipeg. I mean, yeah. Tockett certainly has ties to Philly. Um although at the same time, if I'm Rick Tockett right now and I don't know what sort of a check he's getting cut from TNT, but that's a pretty good gig, and I think there would have to be a really good situation, a really good opportunity, or a guy that is there because he has to be, and he is 100% set on being a head coach back in the National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, right? And, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's part of the Flyers Hall of Fame. So, I mean, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a Philly guy at heart, may, maybe that's a move you make just because it's a job you've always wanted. I, I don't know that. The, the one thing with Talkett, though, is – like he's he's great on TV and everything, but but is he great behind the bench? <laughs> like it's it's great. Teams are interested. Good in question. Him. That is somewhat yeah, important. Pretty pretty important. You know he kind of flamed out early in Tampa Bay, but you know what? A lot of coaches have have struggles. They're their first go around with teams, but it's not like he lit the world on fire with Arizona. Although the Coyotes are the Coyotes, so how much stock do you put into that? He just hasn't had a whole lot of success, in my opinion, to to warrant the apparent interest from a lot of teams around the league. Like for me, I, I'd be looking to either start new with somebody that hasn't gotten a head coaching job before or lean towards a Kirk. Muller. Like I'd be way more interested in Kirk Muller, you know, giving him a second shot as opposed to giving Rick talk a third shot. Well, l- well let me ask you this. Uh, 
because I mean, it's pretty clear here in Winnipeg. I mean, I think that the organization, certainly the fan base believes that this was, you know, uh, well, we want to call it a one-off, hopefully a one-off. I mean, a step back last year, an underperforming team that still has the cornerstone talent to be a playoff team and to challenge and be a significant player next year. Do the Flyers still believe that about their club? I mean, that season was so ugly. Uh, and I'd imagine there'll be some significant turnover. But, I mean, are they envisioning their their team in a similar situation as Winnipeg? Or are they maybe taking a more long-term look at filling this, uh, as uh, uh, turning this thing around and getting the team to be not just a team that does something good for one year, but a team that can kind of go on that trend upwards to be a consistent Stanley Cup contender in the future? Yeah, I, I think they believe they're more along the Winnipeg Jets side of things. The problem is their roster isn't as talented as Winnipeg's. So, like, there is a major disconnect from what the front office thinks to what the fan base thinks. Like, I, I think the majority of the fan base is like, blow this ish up. Like, let's let, let's take a run at Connor Bedard this this upcoming draft and and do this the right way here. But I, I think the Flyers look at their I guess you'd call it first place run a few years ago as, as something that, you know what, this team's not that far away from that. And if we can find the right pieces here, we can get back into the playoff mix sooner than later. I, I, I really think that's a pretty foolish approach, especially considering like how awful they were this year. They traded their best player away at the deadline. Like it's not like they're getting necessarily better. And even if they use Claude Drew's salary to bring somebody in, how much of an improvement is that going to be over a guy that was basically a point of game player for them this past year? Is there so, any chance he comes back? Like, what do you think happens to Giroud this offseason? I don't think so. And how no. much? Can, how much? How much will he get? I mean, I don't think he's going to get what he was getting on his previous deal that eight year. But um, like, I'm interested. In, you would know him as well, like where he is right now. And we saw some good things in Florida at times. Certainly, they didn't score any goals against Tampa, so it was a disappointing playoff yeah. run for them. I'm very interested in the market for players like that on the other side of 30 that have incredible resumes. But as we've seen, you're probably better off spending the majority of your money on younger players at that point. I mean, what do you think's out there for Giroux come free agency? Yeah, you know, I, I really thought he was going to come back to Philly because his family's there. He loves it there. He didn't want to be traded either. You he could just pull of, the old Keith Kachuk. You know, you go away for two months yeah, and then just come, come back and sign. Yeah, yeah, no, like he was he was kind of forced into getting traded like to, to some degree. And it, it just I, I don't know what happened there, but it just seems weird. It looks like things kind of soured between him and management. And I, I I'd be surprised if he came back at this point. You know, one place that might make a lot of sense for him, you know, he was born in and around the area, raised in and around the area. Um, but Pierre Lebrun mentions that every chance he gets, he's, he's from Hearst. And Hearst is pretty close to Ottawa. And I know that Giroux has a home there. And for a guy that might only sign one more contract, I, I wonder if that might be a nice fit for him personally. And it kind of fits with what the Senators are trying to do, too, where they're I mean, for, for a few years, they've been trying to take this leap up into at least wildcard contention. And to have a guy like Claude Giroux on that roster, that, that's kind of a perfect fit. There's not really a whole lot of veterans on that team. And if you can have a guy that can play either out there on the wing or down the middle, you know, shotgun beers with Brady Kachuk at, at the saddle dome. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better fit out there than Claude Giroux to get that done. So I, 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 I might lean towards Ottawa surprisingly as being the favorites to land Claude. Oh, and the I, funny, the funny thing is about that. And you know, you make a great point, 
Um, you know, like maybe I mean, we talk about the romanticism of Barry Trotz, maybe wanting to come back here and do something special. I'm sure there might be some of that as well. Although for a player at that point in his career, I think part of the reason why he went to Florida was he thought he might have a real good chance to win the cup. Yeah. I don't doubt that the Sens might have the cap space to pay him a little bit more than maybe more contending teams are. But I do wonder if he doesn't maybe take a little bit less considering how much he's won to try to get into a situation that finally gets him a ring and a couple extra months of of hockey games in the spring. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. It, it, I, I don't know what he wants the most, but, you know, I wonder if a couple extra million a year might convince yourself yeah. that, hey, maybe, maybe we do got a chance here. Now, now that they're paid me seven Ask, ask Dustin five. Johnson if that works. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I know I know he didn't want to move from Philly in the first place, and, and clearly, clearly the Flyers are not anywhere near a Stanley Cup right now. So I do wonder if maybe, like, comfort and, and family is a little more important to him, even though he does want to, to chase a cup before his career is done. Brandon Rewicki's with us here. We'll get to the playoffs in a second. I do want to bring it back to the Jets for a minute. Um, both Adam Lowry and Pierre-Luc Dubois had great runs at the World Hockey Championships. I mean, Dubois, first-team all-star for the tournament. Um what do you think it's going to cost to get Dubois signed? What does that contract look like? Assuming that there is a willing, if the money's there, to sign a six, seven, eight-year extension, what do you think it's going to cost for the Winnipeg Jets to get his name on a contract? Well, Huss, I'm glad you brought that up because a recent Skates and Plates episode actually dove into this very topic. So I, fig- sure- I figured you'd be ready for the question. <laughs> make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcast. So if we're going towards... Let's do best case scenario that the Jets are able to sign him to a long-term deal because nobody wants to talk about him signing a one or a two-year deal and being out the door sometime soon. That's bad. That's bad. Very bad. That is bad. We (laughs) want to avoid that situation. So interestingly, there's actually been two pretty solid comparables that have signed in the last couple of years that we can kind of look at and get a ballpark figure for what Pierre-Luc Dubois might get on a long-term deal. And that would be Nico Heischer and Ryan Suzuki with Montreal. And, and it's important, too, because these were both signed kind of, you know, mid mid or post-pandemic. So it, you get a bit of a sense of what the, the flat salary cap did to both of those players on those deals. But Nico Heischer got, I think, seven or eight years at just over $7 million per season. And then Suzuki got eight years in the high sevens per season. Now, Suzuki had less production than Dubois has had so far in his career, but he did have that insane playoff run. So he kind of negotiated that at the perfect time for himself. And then Heeshear has been pretty comparable points-wise to to Pierre-Luc Dubois so far in his career. And again, both those players are centers as well. I mean, top picks for for all three of those guys. But the Heeshear one would definitely be what the Winnipeg Jets would bring to the table and say... Look, number one overall pick, point production is pretty similar. He was also younger than you while he did it, and this is only what he got, so we're looking at seven by seven, let's just say. Dubois can't point towards Suzuki and say, "Uh uh-uh, he outproduced this guy, and he got almost $8 million a year, so that's the number that we're looking at for a long-term deal. So if if you're going to split the difference between those two, to me, seven years, seven and a half million, that, that, that sounds fair. I, I don't think, I think the absolute max you'd be looking at is a seven or an eight year deal at $8 million per season. And that would be with the, the Winnipeg tax thrown in, you know, like, Hey, my client could go to Montreal or LA 
what are you going to do to keep him here in Winnipeg? We'll bump it up to eight mil per season. Just because if you look at what those other two players were able to produce on the ice when it comes to points, time on ice, all that, it's a pretty similar situation to what Pierre-Luc Dubois is looking at right now. Yeah, you know what? I could live with an 8 by 8 deal. I mean, if you told me that they, it was, ah, you know, it's maybe a little bit more per season, but you have that clarity that exactly. this guy's committing to you for a long time. I mean, I, that there's a real value to that. And, yeah. hey, I mean, if we're talking about getting a little bit less on seven or six years, I'd rather just know that you have this player that you put so much into for the entire prime of his career yeah. and can now move forward knowing that this guy is a cornerstone in the middle of your top six for the foreseeable future, as long as anyone else on your roster is yeah. currently uh, committed to via their contract. Yeah, and then the cap is going to go up. It, it already is going up slowly. So, you know, you're not, I mean, dear, dear God, I, hopefully monkeypox is in another pandemic here. But, you know, like there, it should continue to go up for the next five or six, seven years. And, you know, eight million isn't it, it's not a terrible price, right? Like it's it's definitely not a, a bargain like the Shifley contract was, but I just don't think the Winnipeg Jets are in the same position now as they and Shifley were back then. I, I, I feel like somewhere between seven and a half to eight million dollars on a long-term deal is a pretty good deal for both sides. And if the Jets find a way to get that done, well, you got Pierre Dubois through his twenties making either seven or eight million dollars. And and the other part too is He's only just turned 23. Like, he's still really, really, like, he's been around a long time. But we know his floor is really a 60-point power forward that is going to play his best once the postseason starts to roll around. If if he elevates his game to a 70, 80-point guy even, it, that, that doesn't seem all that outlandish. An 80-point guy that's kind of a throwback power forward? Ah, uh, yeah, I'll 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 sign up for eight million dollars a year every day of the week for that. Yeah, if you ha if, if that's what it's going to take to get it done, I think it's just important enough. And here, like, we can get into the speculative side of things because, and I don't know whether we really have any true answers, but I'll get your take on it. Do you think that Shifley's situation has an effect on Dubois' situation? Um, like, do you think he's more likely to commit to the team long term at that number? if Shifley's moved, knowing that he is the number one guy? Or is it just simply, this is your own business, you and your agent are going to make a deal that makes sense for you and your family going forward, and whatever the heck the general manager figures out with some other players, that's uh, not really a concern. Yeah, I to be honest, I've never really understood that, that line of thinking. that It was brought up a little while ago. I mean, if Shifley stays, even for example, it's potentially only for two more. It's not like it's a 10 year deal or anything like that. But look, if, if Dubois is looking for eight million a year and he gets it and he's happy here, who, who the hell cares who else is on the roster, right? Like he's he's got his contract. He's good to go. Let's try and win some games here. So I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe maybe if Shifley was moved and the allure of potentially like this could be my team, like maybe that's a bit of a stronger pull to keep him here, but I really don't think it has all that much, you know, pull one way or the other, to be honest, because again, he's, he's going to be looking for a long-term deal. And if he gets it from the jets and he's happy here, then, then he gets it and, and you kind of move forward. If he, if he doesn't want to be here, then Shifley or no Shifley, that's not going to change it a whole lot either. And, and he's going to try to force his way out the door in a couple of seasons. So I, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a big deal to me. The Shifley situation is more along the lines of, 
can you move forward with the same group or does a massive shift have to be made to show that accountability is going to change moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that the general manager from those meetings at the end of the year, both in person as well as what we heard is, you know, heard loud and clear about what the state of the club is. And, you know, it's on them to figure it out. And I think the players have sort of said their piece and now they'll take care of their offseason business. And at some point this summer, we'll be talking about a deal for Pierre-Luc Dubois. The big question is, how many years is it going to be? And are we having this conversation again in 12 months from right now? Brandon Ruick is with us. Make sure you check out the latest Skates and Plates podcast for more on that topic let's get to the playoffs uh we were joking yesterday the cool bet lines mcdavid was minus 769 to get over half a point and sure <laughs> enough they go and get shut out that was like almost a five to one number um thoughts on this series so far from that bizarre first game and then losing darcy kemper and pavel Francois going up and throwing up a goose egg against the edmonton oilers who have been torching everybody in their path over the last month yeah, yeah. I mean, game one was a gong show. <laughs> they they followed the same path that Flames Oilers did, just you know, slightly less offense, which is crazy when you're talking about a what was it, seven five, seven four game, whatever it ended up as. But the one thing that I was really intrigued about for this series is obviously Calgary failed miserably at slowing down McDavid. The Kings didn't fare a whole lot better at that. So how was Colorado going to find a way to do so? And and my personal theory for the past couple of seasons and, and you know I, i've always thought this when i played and i'm nowhere near mcdavid's level at any level of hockey i'm not saying that but i've always thought when dealing with speedier skill guys you know the common thought is throw throw a shea weber out there and once you bury him into the boards then he's not he's not going to want to play a whole i i've never bought into that i've always thought that maybe putting a smaller, speedier defenseman out there is the best shot you've got against somebody like Connor McDavid because you can somewhat at least limit the amount of space that they have out there in the offensive zone. And so knowing that McCarr and Taves was going to be the primary matchup against them, I was intrigued to see how they do. And <laughs> I think he's got three points, two two or three points so far this series. That's a win. That That's about as good as you're going to do against this year's Connor McDavid and Kale McCarr himself has been outstanding defensively. Really, really good. Like that's where you have a smaller offensive guy that uses his skills to defend extremely effectively. He's not going to blast somebody into the corner, but he's going to use his speed to win a puck battle. He's going to be able to get his puck on your stick as you're trying to find some open space inside the offensive zone. And the same goes for Devon Taves, who, is kind of having a bit of a superstar turn himself so far this postseason. I mean, hey, he... let me ask you about Taves quickly, and we'll get back to McCarr because I agree, and I talked about it at the start. I mean, it was brilliant coaching, and he was so effective against McDavid. And we saw a few of those plays where McDavid would get up to full speed, and McCarr would just turn around, and he'd be right with yeah. them. And I mean, we didn't see any of that, certainly from the Calgary Flames and even the Los Angeles Kings. But Devon Taves, you talk about having a superstar turn. I mean, he's somewhat overshadowed at times by Kale McCarr and some of the other stars on that team. But my God, he's turned into an absolute stud. How the hell did they get him yeah. for two second round picks? Yeah, the re the rest of the league fell asleep. That's what. That's oh. the only. That's the only way. And, and Lou, Lou, and Lou, <laughs> right? He, he, everyone loves Lou, but that's a massive, massive blunder to not have somebody like. Like he was right there for New York, and it wasn't like he cost a whole ton of money either. But it was an RFA. Yeah, he's 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 crazy. Like he's, you know, we didn't have the Olympics, but 
I don't know how Makar Tate isn't your top D pairing moving forward for for Canada for the next maybe eight years, right? Like he is he's a special special player, not as explosive or dynamic offensively as as Kale McCarr is, but he's, he's pretty close too. Like when you have somebody that's as as strong defensively as as Devon Taves is, and he could still chip in 60, 70 points. Yeah, you, you've got yourself a bit of a beauty there. And I, I think he's going to be the kind of the nouveau modern age defensive defenseman. Like, I, I just don't think you're going to see too many more Chris Prongers or Shea Webbers or name your hulking six foot four defenseman. It might be a guy that's 5'11, six feet even, 180 pounds, but doesn't give the opposition any time or space to make a play in it. And if he can skate as well as he does and, you know, take the puck away from somebody and move it back the other way on the ice, then that's a an extremely, extremely valuable asset. And on top of it, I mean, you know, Gerard goes down for Colorado. Oh, let's throw Bowen Byram in. And yeah, he's going to be a top pair defense. They've got three top pair defensemen <laughs> and maybe a fourth guy waiting in the wings with a broken sternum. Like that, that's why Colorado is, is just head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in the NHL right now. That that play by Taves last night is basically, you know, looking like Kale McCarr, frankly. I don't know whether he's yeah. rubbing off on him going end-to-end. I mean, completely turnstiling the, I believe it was a forward that was sort of back and took advantage of it. It was a good save from Mike Smith. Uh, do you see any way for the Oilers to get back in this series? I mean, I think they're going to have a great atmosphere in game number three. It'll be pandemonium around there. The energy will be there. I do wonder if they can sort of bottle some of what they were able to do against the Calgary Flames, which surprised so many this weekend when it gets back to Northern Alberta. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I no, And I, I actually think Edmonton played not that bad through the first two. Like I know the, the score lines wouldn't necessarily suggest it, but like they battled really hard and they did all they could, but it's just a different animal we're looking at right now with the avalanche. I like, this is to me, this is more about how good the abs are than it is struggles on Edmonton side of things and may, maybe maybe the only way is you find some kind of newfangled science that gives dry a new ankle right like yeah. that that's that's maybe the only thing you can do right now and nurse I mean nurse can barely move out there right he's now. beat up big time and, and it's cost that, yeah. it's hurting them right now I think he was minus three last night although Terrible change by Duncan Keith to get off just he's, in time to leave him on that two-on-one. <laughs> two Uh-oh, look what's coming. I better get off to avoid that yeah. dash on the on the line. Um, hey, listen, I know there's a lot of people all over Nurse in the chat that they overpaid. They jumped on him. They did get the eight-year term, but $9.5 is a big, big number. But you don't mind paying that if you're getting you know a guy that can go out and play 26, 27 minutes a night and neutralize the best players on the other team. I'm not sure that he ever gets to that point, um, but it's pretty clear right now. I don't know what's been reported. Some people say he's playing with a hernia. I mean, he's just not himself right now. And I mean, that's why they're leaning on the likes of uh, Kulak and Duncan Keith as much as they are right now. And uh, I don't know if that's a winning formula against a team with as much firepower as the, as the abs. Yeah. Legend has it that Duncan Keith is still changing right now. He's still that, 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 <laughs> that shift change still hasn't happened, but I mean, look for for Nurse. He, no, he's not going to be a nine and a half million dollar guy. But he's, I mean, arguably his greatest attribute is the fact that he's six foot four and skates like the wind. And when he can't move, it's tough to be effective out there. Like I, I feel, I feel bad for him. I, a lot of people are dunking on him right now, but 
I, I think we're going to find out that he's got a pretty serious injury that he's dealing with. He probably shouldn't be playing at all right now. So it does have the feel to me like the, the Cinderella run is, is coming to an end pretty quickly here for the Edmonton Oilers. And I think, you know, they can maybe lean towards injuries being the, the one of the leading factors as to why they're doing that right now. Dreisaitl's got one leg. Nurse can barely move. I mean, McDavid looks good. That That's positive. But, you know, other than that, they, they just got too many guys banged up right now. And on a team that, if you're going to compare roster to roster, doesn't really stack up to what the Avalanche are throwing out there. No, that's not. But Remus is on fire today, by the way. Look nice. at this. Gra- look at the graphics. Brandon Wiki, Skates and Place podcast, and just rolling in with the nursing and injury. That uh, really, really stepping up the game graphics-wise and now with the with the witty lines at the bottom of the screen. Brad Rewicki is with us right now. What did you think of the Rangers' performance in game number one? Was it more credit to the Rangers? I think it might have been. We had Batetto on yesterday, who was a, just a hoot to talk to. He thought that might have been the Rangers' best game of the playoffs. I don't disagree. It also didn't look like the Tampa Bay team that yeah. barnstormed Florida. I mean, what did you make of game number one, and where are you at with that series heading into MSG in game two tonight? Yeah, it's it's that rust, rest, rust, rust, rest, whatever it is. I think I saw a stat that, you know, when a team has more than like a week off or something and somebody comes off a of game seven, they're like eight and oh in game one against that team. Like it's it's just one of those things that, you know, it might be that scheduled loss for the Tampa Bay Lightning in a way. So I yeah, I I, I think the Rangers more than just have a chance in this one though. Like I, I know people most people are gonna say, yeah, Tampa Bay will even it up in game two, they'll bring it home probably 3-1 heading back to New York, and, and they'll take care of business. I, I don't think that's the case necessarily here because you have Sabinajad playing like a star right now. I, Chris Kreider's rediscovered his, his goal-scoring form after a bit of a slow start against Pittsburgh. And these young blue liners on New York are playing their asses off. Like Fo- I mean, Fox doesn't surprise anybody, but Keandre Miller is looking, looking like a bit of a stud beside Jacob Truba. And then they even have Braden Schneider on, on their third pair playing close to, to 20 minutes a night. Like, he's been great for them as well. So, hint, hint, Kevin Cheveldayoff, play your, play your young defenseman and, and see the, the rewards come right out in front of you there. Um, but I, I think I might take the Rangers to win this series right now, man. Maybe I'm buying too much into that game one victory, but they're playing really well. And Shesterkin is really, really starting to look like the Igor from the first half of the season. I don't know if New York scores in game two because Vasilevsky turns into an alien <laughs> after he loses in the playoffs. But you know what? They don't have to beat him in back-to-back games now because they were able to take game one. Uh, that's going to be a battle, right? I think that's a seven-gamer written all over it. And, and may, maybe Tampa Bay might need Braden Point more than they thought going into this series, which is something I don't think any of us expected. Uh, you know what I, I was just amazed at coming out of game one? Because Vasilevsky made some huge saves in that game. It wasn't like he went Mike Smith or anything like that. But the Rangers' ability to whip the puck through the seam, cross ice to guys with glorious setup and scoring opportunities and cash in on them was something that I didn't expect to see. I'm sure credit John Cooper. I mean, there's a reason why he's had the success that he's had. I imagine that they will do everything they can to prevent that. And maybe we'll have a very different story. Um, but I'll tell you what, for Turks club to go and, and whip the puck around offensively the way they did. And it wasn't just Panarin. I mean, the kid line of Lafreniere and yeah. Kako and Cheadle was dominant. Cheadle had the two goals. 
I mean, that's the one way that they can win, I think. I mean, if they can, can continue to generate those sort of opportunities and get that production, not just with the big boys up front led by Panarin and our old buddy Andrew Kopp, the the path to victory is more there if they can get some, you know, some scoring from, you know, the yeah. depth of the lineup. Well, the Rangers in game one were able to generate more crossing chances than the Panthers did all series against Tampa Bay and Toronto did all series against Tampa Bay. In one one game, I think I think the number was eight in in one game against Tampa Bay. Now that kind of leads me to believe that's more of a one off than something we're going to see them continue to assault Tampa Bay in that fashion. And and maybe Victor Hedman just stands in the middle of the ice inside the defensive zone, and that comes to an end pretty quickly here. But I, I just I, I do think the Rangers are kind of peaking at the right time now. And you know, every single postseason these past few years, we've seen one team come out of nowhere and, and go on a run to the cup final. You know, the Blues a few years back, the Stars, the Canadian. Maybe it's the Rangers' time right now. Like, the, everything's – there's a lot of positive vibes around New York, and I, I I just like the way they've been building and building as these playoffs have gone along here. And, you know, game, game two is probably going to be a loss, probably going to be a, a one or a two-nothing loss, but – if they can take one in Tampa Bay, then then things get really, really, really interesting. You know, I'm just staring at this uh, team total for the Rangers under one and a half at uh, at plus two forty five for tonight's game. Might be tough to stay it away is. from that one, it considering what, what we've <laughs> talked about it. Hey, uh, Brandon, uh, just before we go, um, I know that you're a big golf guy. Uh, we've been talking about it all week. I mean, just what did you think about the? Uh, the live golf announcement and saw the DJ who pledged his allegiance to the tour three weeks ago or three months ago, now leaving for reported up to 125 million. I mean, what, what do you think the effect of all this will be when we're having this conversation in a year or two? Mm, that's a good question. I would say not a lot because DJ is quite possibly the most boring athlete in all of sports right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of the best golfers on the planet, man. But like the dude is, He's just drywall. Like there's nothing out of him. I, I'm. I mean, I don't know if you're a golf fan. How could you not be pissed off and disappointed in all this, right? Like, look, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that. Like, that's a lot of dough. But man, like, I, I guess that's the price for your morals. You know what I mean? And it's not like it's not like DJ had it rough on the PGA tour. Like he wasn't he wasn't staying at the travel lodge or anything like that. <laughs> he's, he's, he's had a pretty he's had a pretty good last decade or so. I I I just I have no time for any of these guys that are making the move. I think Rory's said it best, maybe better than anybody so far. So I'll I'll kind of just you know lean towards his comments and and reflect that as my own. But in all reality, I I really as good as DJ is, I don't think the PGA. It's going to miss them all that much because there's a ton of great golfers out there right now. And a lot of them are a lot more interesting than DJ is. No, it's a great point. Brandon, have an awesome weekend. This is a great hit. Thanks so much. We'll look forward to catching more skates and plates next week and uh, talking to you next week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Sounds good, my man. We'll talk soon and would love to hit the links with you sometime in, in June as well. Hey, listen, the invite is out. We'll be getting you out to Breezy Bend as soon as we can make that happen. Thanks for doing this. I I, I got my size small golf shirt and my white belt ready to go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the outfit. I cannot wait for the outfit. Great stuff with Rewiki. We're going to talk soccer in a couple seconds. Um, hey, I just got a text from our friends over at Royal Sports. What I didn't mention was a big tent sale coming up this weekend. 10 to 6, Saturday, June 4th. 11 to 5, Saturday, June 5th. Everything at least 50% off 
footwear, apparel, equipment, over 2,500 pairs of shoes, over 2,000 articles of, of apparel. If you've never seen one of the amazing Royal Sports uh, tent sales, this is the weekend to do it beginning tomorrow morning. Uh, well, Brandon, and I just mentioned getting him out to Breezy Bend. If you are thinking about a uh, new golf home for you and your family, give our friend Corey Johnson a call over at Breezy. Talk to him about everything that Breezy Bend can offer you and your family. Getting that waiting list for next season. Uh, we'll be doing, uh, looking forward to doing a show out at Breezy, hopefully on the patio at some point when it's nice, nice a little later on this season. You can find out more online at breezybend.ca. Uh, I'm actually heading over to see the gang at Knot Auto Corp a little later on today. Always love popping in at Knot and checking out the vehicles on the lot, especially those Teslas. If you haven't found out about the Tesla Experience Program at Knot and you're thinking about an electric vehicle, that is the place to start. But regardless of what you're thinking about for a new whip, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price over with the help of the Knot team? They're at Waverly and McGilvery, and you can check them out online at knot.ca. And hey, just before we welcome in Gareth Wheeler to talk a little Canadian men's soccer team, it's the weekend. We got a game on the weekend. What goes better with that? A couple cold ones. And of course, Little Brown Jug is Winnipeg's favorite local beer and just launched a cider fermented for four and a half months from cold-pressed apples from an Ontario orchard using a mix of wild and cultured yeast, dry, refreshing, and gluten-free. It's just one of many new products from Little Brown Jug, including the Queer Beer, Saison, Hefeweizen, Folkfest Lager and more. Stop by the tap room or patio, maybe this weekend, down on William Avenue to try one of their new delicious brews. And of course, check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca and order for home delivery. Well, we knew Canada had a game coming up on the 5th of June. The opponent has changed, but the uh, but it's going ahead. We've got the Panamanians coming over instead of Iran. And it is a pleasure to talk Canada men's national team with the voice of Team Canada on One Soccer, Gareth Wheeler. Gareth, what's up, man? It's great to have you on the program. It has been so long since we touched base. This is great. And instead of just going over the phone old school, now we get to do this face-to-face. It's fantastic. Oh, man, and thanks so much for doing this. It's great to see you and have you on the program. And I tell you what, we've been talking a lot about the team that you cover most closely and your great calls because I got to tell you, uh, and, and I think, to be honest, this dates back, at least for me personally, since just being so into what our incredible women's team has done over the few years, that the the want and hope that maybe our men's team could, you know, be a legitimate world team like our women have been, maybe not quite as successful quite yet. Um, and this World Cup qualifying period was, well, certainly from a... From, it's just as far as the men goes, the most thrilling run of games that I think really inspired a country and changed the way we look at our national soccer program. You had a front row seat for all of it. What was it like calling the those games, the run that they had, and clinching the way they did, knowing that for the first time in probably more than half of our viewers' lives, Canada will be in the World Cup? It was a blur. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to you 20 games in a matter of what 10 months like typically world cup qualifying is drawn out over a couple of years but everything obviously was condensed and redrawn up because of covid and so just when you started to gain momentum it just completely went off the rails in a very good way by the way it just like went off the charts but then all of a sudden they clinch they're going to qatar it's over just like that it, and I got to tell you, I've had a hard time getting excited about other sporting achievements since that time because 
you're right. Like this is something that was unimaginable to many over the course of the last three decades. Something that we weren't sure was ever going to happen. I, I think that we got the impression we might have a chance with the expanded 48 team World Cup, but in the 32 team version, this seemed like a distant hope. Um, and it became a reality so quick. And there was the one transformative moment which happened to come against Panama. Um, it was actually five days after my son was born and Alfonso Davies scoring the goal to end all goals <laughs> at, at BMO Field in Toronto to, to is, is the match winner. And it's going to be one of the most famous goals scored in Canadian history. And I go beyond soccer. You can add hockey, any sport where you, where you shoot and score. Um, that one's right up there. I think that that is what got the entire country on board. It wasn't just how Davies scored. It was the fact that it was Alfonso Davies. So, so here we are. We're getting back together on Sunday, and we get to do it all over again in a much less dramatic way, considering it's a friendly, but it's great to have the guys back and start getting a little bit of a sneak preview of what we can expect this fall in Qatar. Well, just back to that Davies goal for a minute, because, I mean, I don't know. I've probably watched it 100 times like many fans have. I mean, you just you keep needing to watch it again to believe. I mean, the speed that he had, the ground that he covered in such a short period of time, it was unlike anything that I've ever seen. But that at that point in qualifying, you know, Canada was not at the top of the table. Was that the moment for Canada as opposed to the entire journey that not only gave them an incredibly important win against a team they had to beat on home turf, but also the belief and the momentum going forward that, hey, they, this team can do anything. That's exactly it. Heading into that game, they drew the first match against Honduras, drew against the United States, beat El Salvador, drew Mexico, drew Jamaica. So one win through their first five games. That was a virtual must win. They gave up the early goal. They were down to Panama, but it was the energy around that team, the conviction, the fact that their best player, uh, that's the best game I've seen Alfonso Davies play for Canada. And, and one of the better games I've seen him play, period. He was just a man possessed. Um, and the emotion afterwards, that was the loudest crowd I'd ever heard uh, for a Canada team, uh, a Canadian soccer team in this country, men or women. Um, it was just that perfect moment that it built and created momentum heading into those two games in Edmonton, right? <laughs> and, and, and that... Uh, th that fandom, that following carried over and the players were well aware of it. The program was well aware of it and they, and they just completely flourished because of it. So that was a moment, no doubt that convinced them. And I think the rest of the country that something was going to be different this time around. Well, and I have to ask you about the scenes in Edmonton. I mean, the snow, uh, Sam jumping into the snowbank, And I know we had a number <laughs> of people that are regulars in our program that got together with a bunch of Valor FC supporters here and joined the, with the Voyageurs and packed that stadium. I mean, to have, like, was that, what was that in December? Like, I'm trying to remember. November. No, okay, so November in Edmonton, very cold. I mean, hey, you want to talk about home field advantage. Finally, we're doing to other teams what they've yes. been doing to us for years. Um, but that was also another seminal moment, not necessarily including what happened on the pitch. But if there was a better example of the growing support for this team in this movement, I don't think we had a better example of it than those two days yeah. in November. Do you know what it was? It, it was it was an event. It wasn't, it wasn't two games there. It was like, where were you when? You know, Sam Adekubi jumped into the snowbank, you know, when the Mexican side were afraid to come into their, their locker room, their dressing room, because it was so cold outside. Like, th these are the memories, right? And the feeling, you're uncomfortable at that time. Even, you know, playing games in, in, in January in Hamilton, that's not a whole lot of fun either, but it, it, it 
it's something completely different. It's funny, it was mentioned to me the last time, and I was speaking to, to people that played that day, the last time the men's national team played in Edmonton, I believe they played Trinidad and Tobago. And at that time, the Canadian Soccer Association had had brought like um, a, a band from Trinidad and Tobago to play at halftime and, and to play like they made it comfortable for them. It, it, it's it's time that we start using that to our advantage, making the opponents feel uncomfortable. We've been far too nice over the years, Hustler, like way too nice. <laughs> and now we've got a little bit dirty. I think John Herdman, there was reports in, in, in Central American newspapers about drones flying over training sessions. Like, I just feel that we finally embraced the, the fun and games that have come along with something like this. And Edmonton was a big part of that. Yeah, you knew we arrived in CONCACAF when. That's exactly <laughs> what that was all about. Yeah. Um, so listen, the goal has been achieved. Canada's going to the World Cup. We've got to wait till November to see it because of you know the, the where it is and all that. But this is new ground now for Canada. If you could tell us about what is happening right now with the men's national team and obviously leading to this friendly against the Panamanians who are kind of stepping in for Iran, who is the original opponent coming up this uh, on the 5th. Yeah, I, I think right now it's about keeping those good vibes alive and for this program to try to ride that and move forward with that. They have three games upcoming over the next 10 days or so. This is the first lengthy camp that John Herdman has had to actually work on tactics, to discuss goals and, and, and approaches and what they want their team to look like and how they want to play in Qatar. So I think they put that to good use this week in Vancouver. Um, three games this week, they'll play two games as well in September in a to-be-announced uh, location and against opponents which will clearly be from different federations. I th obviously, the Panamanian team coming in late, just being announced this week, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't in the plans. It, it's actually quite unfortunate that they're not going to be able to play Iran because there was a tactical purpose for that. Mm. Yeah. The United States played Morocco, who's in Canada's group this past week. Herdman and the U.S. men's national team head coach Greg Berhalter have worked closely together in terms of scouting analysis. Canada was going to play Iran, who was in the United States group, or who will be in the United States group at the upcoming World Cup. Iran has been a, a perennial World Cup team in, in recent vintage, a difficult team to play, a difficult team to beast, and it would have been a difficult opponent for Canada to play against um, You know, th this upcoming week. So Panama is more of a compromise than anything else that – Everyone involved just felt the pressure, and we all understand what that's like today uh, when you feel like the everyone's on top of you. The, 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 the game sold out in the first six hours that the Iran game was announced, and it was six days later when our prime minister was asked about it and um, kind of threw the Canadian Soccer Association under the bus to a certain degree, and he doubled down and he tripled down and he quadrupled down, going to the extent where he couldn't guarantee that the players would be able to enter the country even if they did uh, even even though that they they uh, had been approved for their visas ahead of time, so it, it just turned into a little bit of a circus, um, and they've had to pivot it to this Panama game. I think that the CSA has done the right thing. Thirty dollars tickets to go see Alfonso Davies and this team play on Sunday. You can't do much better than that, to be honest with you. So uh, they're making the best of the situation. Play Panama, a team that beat Canada, beat the United States, and drew Mexico in qualifying, or playing a glorified scrimmage. You prefer to play Panama any day of the week. No doubt about it. Uh, Gareth Wheeler, voice of uh, Canadian men's soccer on One Soccer with us here, getting ready for Sunday's friendly against Panama. 
Um, you know, there are a lot of people that are just sort of getting into the team right now that aren't familiar with One Soccer. Let everybody know about what you and the gang have going on covering this team all the way to Qatar. Yeah, it's um, it's been the eternal struggle in this country to build professional infrastructure around the game. It, it, it's just been exceptionally difficult over the years, uh, just having not only proper coverage of the game, but I'm talking about opportunity for administrators, uh, coaches, referees, players, and actually build a professional structure. And one soccer is part of that uh, from the broadcasting uh, pr perspective. Uh, basically, one soccer came about in 2019, 10 months before the pandemic. How do you like that timing? And was going to be the home of the Canadian Premier League, home of Valor FC, the Canadian Championship, men's and women's national teams, and a whole bunch of other continental competitions. Obviously, curveballs were thrown our way because of COVID. And I really only think that this is the second season. This should, should only be considered season number two for the Canadian Premier League because it's an actual natural season. We're going to have natural home games and, and the time to go in and support your team. And, you know, our job is to provide as much coverage as possible um, for, for Canadian soccer. Uh, if, if we all believe in, and there's some great fans in, in, in Winnipeg as there are in, in, in cities across this country, it's time that we come together, support one another, uh, support a professional product, support a professional build. And that's what we're trying to do slowly and surely. There's growing pains and bumps and lumps along the way, but um, this is the way forward. And this is the way that soccer is going to continue to grow in this country. So that, that's what we're all about. That's what we're trying to do. We appreciate all the support. Um, Canadian Championship this weekend between TFC and Forge. That should be great. Um, Valor, I, I really like their coach this year. Phil DeSantos is a great guy, a great coach. There's reason for optimism there. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface just in terms of where the game is at, in this country and where we can actually take it. So it's a little bit of a process, but strong local communities, strong ownership and strong fan bases. If all those things are covered, there's no reason why this can't be a, a significant success story in Canadian in the Canadian sporting landscape, just like the Canadian Football League. It's, well, it's a very similar you know, model. The, That's the hope. The momentum is there right now, I mean, at a grassroots level, and I think with more casual fans that aren't even involved in the game, making a point of, you know, getting to one soccer and watching these games with this Canadian men's national team as we get closer to it. Hey, just quickly on Valor FC. The lads here in the peg have had a couple of ridiculous goals so far this season. I'm not sure. That goal that Sean Reyes scored last week, I mean, that's a world-class strike from distance, like identifying the goaltender was out. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised that they haven't seen the level of play in the Canadian Premier League when they get out there. That um, I mean, you're going to see some amazing things that you wouldn't normally do, maybe outside of the stars that are representing our country internationally. It's uh, when, when the league was announced, I wasn't sure what the quality was going to look like, but it's surpassed my expectations. And oftentimes I think it's more watchable than major league soccer because they're young Canadian players who are identifiable to a lot of people because they grew up in your own backyard. They, they come from your community or your hometown and they're brave. They're not afraid to make mistakes. They're not afraid to learn on the, on the fly. So the Rea goal will happen. I was kind of on the side of things that was more a goalkeeping error than greatness from Sean Rea, but certainly the, the control and the finish were very good. The goalkeeper just had a nightmare. There's been some incredible goals in the Canadian Premier League this year. Valor got a real shot at playoff football this year. Like, I, I honestly think that uh, the right manager, Andrew John Baptiste, the beast coming back into the team. He's an excellent center back, just needs to be healthy. 
some really good young players. I really like Sean Rea, William Akio. There's a lot of reason to be excited about this Valor side. So uh, I know the support has been very good considering how long the team has been out of the city, city of Winnipeg and elsewhere. Difficult to follow a team when they're not playing games in your own backyard. So let's hope and keep our fingers crossed that the momentum continues to build over the course of the summer. Well, it's going to be a great soccer Sunday. We've got Valor playing and we've yeah. got Canada taking on Panama. And you know where to find it. One soccer. Gareth Wheeler, keep on bringing the passion to the game. It is infectious and our country needs more of it. Thanks for doing this, my friend. And hopefully we Thanks, can catch pal. up soon and continue following the path of our squad before uh, they get to the World Cup in November. Let's do it anytime. Congrats to you guys. Keep up the great work, okay? okay. Appreciate you, Gareth. There's Gareth Wheeler from One Soccer, Canada, Panama on Sunday. And of course, also a little Valor FC action as well after Valor dropped that one nothing decision on Wednesday on home field. All right, we got marbles to come up. And I'm also going to check in with our pal Chris Abbott from Cool Bet. We'll bring Abbott in today for the lines and a little update on the Blue Jays. He's been basically living at the Dome for the last week or so. And the Jays have been... Uh, hotter than a pistol uh, just before we do that i've mentioned the big tent sale at royal sports coming up this weekend one week from today bomber season is on thanks to willie jefferson who joined us earlier today of course princess auto proud sponsors of the bombers the pregame tailgate uh, area at ig field and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at their two locations, Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Hey, another great weekend with a lot of sports coming on. You want to get together with the gang? No better place to do that than your local Boston pizza. Chow down on those gourmet pizzas, famous Boston wings, and ice-cold schooners. And if you're kicking it at home on the weekend, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And a big cheers to Nick and the gang, Nick and Nikki over at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. The sun is shining this week. No better time to get out for a blizzard, but not just any blizzard, the new Royal Blizzard with a chocolate or peanut butter filling inside your favorite blizzard treats. And while you're there, make sure you check out the new Stack Burgers, which everyone's talking about right now. And if you do need a cake for an upcoming event, hit them up at DQ Manitoba on Instagram to uh, order what you're looking for. They'll get it done quick and easy and have it ready for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. All right, we've got the marble race coming up for our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, and normally we'll do the cool bet lines before that, but you know, with Dusty busy today for the Lions game on TSN late night, Figured we'd bring in our pal Chris Abbott from Cool Bed for a little Jays talk and to hit the lines for tonight's game. And I don't know if there's anyone in my circle that's been spending more time at the Dome right now than Chris Abbott of Cool Bed, who joins me from a very busy Cool Bed HQ. Lots going on. You've got Alan working on a dishwasher. I'm, I'm sure JBM and Pat Gregoire might be downstairs fixing the plumbing or something right now, Chris. But uh, lots going on into the weekend. Great to talk to you again, man. How are you? Uh, it's good to see your face, man. Yeah, we got we got actually at Jake and Pat down the parking garage painting the yellow lines. That's what uh, <laughs> I actually it's fun. No, we uh, Alan's the the local expert on dishwashers here. So we've got him in uh, taking care of some stuff at the condo. But it just it made me think of when I was a kid when my parents would get frustrated with me. And I wonder if your parents did the same thing. They'd be like, I, you know, I'm bored, I'm bored or whatever. And they'd say, go out and try and erase the yellow line. 
<laughs> and when you think about that, it's like they're basically saying, go get hit by a car. You know, it's... that might have been a Newfoundland thing. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah, not it sure. might have been. I go play in traffic, kids. Yeah, go play in traffic. It's another way of saying it, right? Go try to erase the yellow line. That was my favorite one. And you I know never what? realized. Well, I got older. How funny that is! Well, <laughs> it is good. Uh, it, you know, the uh, other teams in the AL might feel like they're playing in traffic right now, heading to downtown Toronto. The way your Blue Jays are playing right now—I mean, what a week! I mean, this really started last weekend when they had been slumping. Let's face it; they went into Anaheim, rolled off four straight, and they have not looked back right now. Chris, this team is red hot. Although, unfortunately. The Yankees have a pretty good ball club right now, and it's hard to make up ground in the AL East. But this has been huge for a team to get back to, I think, where most of us thought that they would be. Yeah, real tough division to make up any ground when you fall behind. Um, and then, the, the you know, the Red Sox are doing so. They fell behind, and they're making up ground in Tampa as well. But, yeah, a ton of traffic on the base paths in Toronto uh, over the last few nights. I and mean, like you said, it really started in Anaheim, um, where really, you know, they went out on the road after a, a bad homestand or an average or pedestrian homestand where their record wasn't even that bad, but the, their their production was horrible and the, the pitching staff kept them in it. And then you've got um, a trip to St. Louis where they, where they get a little split on the mini two-gamer and they go into Anaheim and that probably could have went one of a couple of ways, right? That could have really went off the rails for them there. So I think when we look back at this season, uh, a sweep of the Angels in Anaheim, including beating Shohei Otani and, and limiting the damage that he and Mike Trout did, um, that could be that could be a big thing. And then they came back here. Um, God, who they play in the first series this week? I don't, uh, the White Sox. Just, they just got back, played the White Sox, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, it was a full series. So that's because the the games against the White Sox were like three and a half, four hours long, except for yesterday. So I felt like there was another series in there. <laughs> uh, but the bats came. The bats have come to life. Teoscar Hernandez has come to life. And uh, I had somebody ask me about this earlier in the week. And you know, there was a time when uh, you know uh, Zach Collins was batting cleanup for this team. Like they were hurting. The lineup is in bad shape, you know, and uh, now that they've got some guys back and Kevin Biggio's contributing, Danny Jansen's back in the lineup. They're getting a little bit more out of Lourdes Gurriel and Raymel Tapia. Um, Matt Chapman's starting to hit the ball. So now this is the team we thought we were going to get, I think. Well, listen, I, you know, Alejandro's unite. Uh, Alejandro Kirk continues to get it done. And now Danny Jansen's smacking homers night after night. I mean, if you looked at this, if you looked at this roster, I mean, the catching position wasn't really the area of strength you would see. It has turned into one right now. And to be honest, that in some ways has almost been a catalyst to get the bats going again because it was puzzling going into this stretch right now, Chris. I mean, the big question was not what was happening. It was the pitching. It was like, where are all these big league bats that we expect to do mm -hmm. such great things that were ice cold? I think what happened there, Hustler, is that, you know, when you look around the lineup, you see Taylor Heineman, uh, who's no longer with the team, Gosuke Kato, who, by the way, I loved and sad to see him get DFA'd or whatever happened there. But, you know, he had a bunch of guys plugging the holes. And then I think the guys up top were thinking, well, if we don't hit home runs, these guys certainly aren't going to do it. So I think there was a lot of pressure on Springer, Bichette, Vladdy um, to get something done, you know, to hit a hit a six run home run. I think is what was going on there. And we're getting a lot of pop-ups, a lot of strikeouts. Now that they know they're a little bit more insulated, um, I think they feel a little better swinging for a single or a double or, you know, letting the ball get a little bit closer to them before they, uh, before they swing at it. And at the same time, you know, they had a tough schedule and I'm never one to like make excuses, but there was a stretch there where it was like, 
Houston, New York, Houston, Boston, New York. Like it was, you know, Tampa. And, and it, you know, if you can come through that, you know, with your head above water, that's not bad either. Well, listen, they got to make uh, the most of it. I know the Royals are on the schedule coming up soon. The Twins are here on the weekend. Uh, and listen, with the bats going the way they are right now, I mean, I think that they do continue to roll because the pitching has been great. And listen, I can't have you on the program as the president of the Alec Manoa Appreciation Society without talking about what this guy is doing right now. And listen, a lot of fans might have seen a few highlights. I mean, I know you make a point of getting right down there for his starts. He has been phenomenal right now, a sub-2 ERA, a leader of the staff at such a young age, Chris. I mean, uh, what can you tell us about his season so far and what we can make, hopefully expect for the rest of the year? You know, one of the one of the things I hate when you're listening to the media is when they talk about team control and all the stuff in the in the baseball CBA that is so overwhelming. But basically, you know, Alec Manoa is going to be a J for the next five to seven years and hopefully his whole career. And for this guy to come up as a rookie halfway through last season and do what he did and then not to hit a sophomore slump, in fact, just get better this season. Uh, I think is is just such a good omen for this Blue Jay staff. Uh, you know, Kevin Gosman's been great. You've got a veteran in Jose Barrios. Kikuchi's coming around. Ryu's really the soft spot. But Ross Stripling, um, I actually kind of hope Ryu goes away and Stripling can fit in as a starter because he's been good there as well. Um, so, yeah, back to Manoa. It's just he throws the ball a ton. I saw a tweet yesterday that said the Jays were supposed to wear their blue uniforms with their white pants. And Manoa went in the clubhouse and said, no, nah, I want to wear white today. And by the way, we're going to wear the old school white hats when we do it. They're going to be our sweep uniforms. And when I saw that, man, <laughs> I went in, I went into my betting account and bet everything I could Manoa Jays all day. Like imagine having the balls hustler to do that as a, a sophomore on this team and being like, nah, you know, the trainers are like, well, the whites are packed away. I don't know. Get them, you know, get them. Let's go. It's the and, sweep uh, I, uniform. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, well, big series against the Twins. It's eight in a row right now. Hopefully we're talking about double digits, com digits coming out of the weekend. Um, but of course, we can't have you on without looking at some lines for uh, some big games. We got the NBA Finals going on. Of course, they'll get back at it, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, but let's talk about these NHL games tonight. Uh, well, tonight and tomorrow. Lightning and Rangers. What a performance by you, New York, in game number one. And our pal and fellow Cool Battle uh, Ambassador Justin Bourne put out the the tweet that saved me a lot of money. I mean, I was fully in on Tampa, and then he dropped that stat that the last seven times the team had gone seven, playing against a team that has swept, the team that went 7-1. So I stayed away, and we talked about it on the show a couple days ago. It would be a great time to get in on Tampa on this series if they lose the first game. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. They're plus 103 for the series right now, Chris. Uh, but what do you think about the Lightning as a minus 130 road favorite tonight in MSG against the Rangers? I think, Cusser, you know, everyone makes a big deal about Vasilevsky coming off a loss in the playoffs and all that. I, 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 look to, I look behind the bench when it comes to this team and John Cooper. The year they went out in the first round when they were supposed to be a favorite and he said this won't happen again, it didn't. And anytime they've stumbled along the way since then, they correct it immediately. Um, I got to think that uh, a series price on Tampa, who were, what, like minus 150 before the puck dropped the other night, only one game down, and now you can get them as a dog. I think I think you got to bet it. Now, I've also sprinkled the Rangers' Stanley Cup win, so um, I don't mind a little hedge there with the Tampa play for me personally. But I think if you're realistic, yeah, um, I think I saw somebody send it up today, might have been born again, who basically said that 
you know, with all the success that Tampa's had, had, is it this version of the New York Rangers that's going to end it? It's hard for me to say yes to that. As much as I love the Rangers and Gerard Gallant, um, the, this Tampa team is a two-time champ for a reason. Well, I, you know what? I mean, Dusty and I when we were making our picks before this series began. I mean, you know, I was on Tampa, and you're kind of looking at a number that makes sense. And, you know, Tampa in six or less uh, was minus 106. But you get to this point, and we're only one game in. They could easily still come back with the sweep, and it's a plus-money number on a two-time defending champ that's rolling against a Rangers team that is, you know, regardless of the way they played, which was phenomenal in game number one, they're moving up a few weight classes and going toe-to-toe with the champs. And um, I certainly do like the value on that, and I do like them to win this game tonight. Wouldn't even be surprised to maybe sprinkle the puck line tonight, plus 195 on Tampa. Um, They've beaten teams consistently. You know, when Vasilevsky has these strong games, they're going to score a couple. Uh, Although Igor Shosturkin's been pretty phenomenal so far after getting hooked for the first couple times in the playoffs. So what about the Avs Oilers? Uh, I know we've got lots of friends out in Northern Alberta that are hoping for some sort of a turnaround. To me, that was the game last night. And to be honest, when they killed off the five on three in the first period and got to the intermission zero, zero, I thought this was the Oilers game to lose. And um, man, two terrible minutes, three goals in what two Oh four last night, Mike Smith, who played pretty well in the first uh, first period didn't have it at that point and uh, now man this is a major uphill uh to climb for the oilers going up against the avalanche who have just looked phenomenal in these first two games yeah i think uh, i think the oilers are done now it's just a matter of time uh i don't see them winning four of the next five games against uh, this colorado avalanche team i just don't see it happening so you know there's a couple of ways to play this if 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 you're me uh i'm going to look at the over seven again i know it only went four goals last night but mcdavid should get freed up a little bit at home uh it should be a zoo every time we've seen zoos in alberta uh, in these playoffs the goal scoring has been ridiculous all respect to the fans in denver i don't think it's going to be anything like the atmosphere we see uh what is it saturday night when these teams play so um no, I think if Edmonton gets a game in the series, like this is where I'm at with this now. If they get a game in the series, it might be game three. But um, yeah, I think I think it's you're you're at the situation where you know when you got a pet and you know it's their time, and you're just wondering when that time is going to be. I think that's where the Oilers are right now. Well, um, you know yeah. what? If you do think that that pet can live a couple extra lives. Uh... <laughs> Plus 150 on over five and a half for the series. If you think the Oilers can win two games, and I'm sort of with you. I think those are long odds. And uh, obviously we'll uh, spend a little bit of time trying to figure out what the heck's going on in that NBA finals game with the Celtics crazy comeback and uh, see what happens with Golden State, a big favorite in game number two. And I do think they like that. Are you think all the games on the weekend, you'll pretty much be living once again at the Dome? Yeah, I, my plan is to go to uh, to all the games this weekend. Uh, I've got minus one and a half for the Jays, over five and a half team total tonight. Uh, sprinkle on Vladdy and Bo home run props, even though the numbers on them aren't that great. And uh, I'll be betting a Byron Buxton home run every game because uh, I just love Byron Buxton. I would love him on my team. Has a hard time staying healthy. And man, I looked at the Celtics last night I, and I was going to put in a live bet just on the spread. And I, and I went to sleep. So 17-0 <laughs> run. We turned it over after the game. 17-0 run uh, at the end of the game. I think there was Golden State got one basket right at the end. But it was a crazy turnaround. And I don't know. I think there might be some value on Golden State going forward after they lost in the fashion that they did. I think this series is going seven. 
That was the bet beforehand, plus 205. And, well, we'll see if that happens. Chris, folks, give him a follow on Twitter at CoolBetChris. You'll see some great picks from the ballpark this weekend. I can tell you that, as well as many more entertaining musings. Chris, thanks, as always, for coming on, man. Have a great weekend. My pleasure, buddy. Golden State, same boat as Tampa, right? Plus 150 now to win the series after blowing one game. That's what I'll be doing. All right. All right, great stuff catching up with Chris Abbott. And, uh, yeah, Twinkies in to take on the Jays this weekend at the Rogers Center. All right, gang, you know what? where we're at? End of the Friday show, and you know what that means. It is Marbles time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. The entries are open. If you're with us on YouTube, put in exclamation mark marbles and count yourself in. Again, totally free to enter and free to subscribe, but you do have to be a subscriber to our YouTube channel to win our version of the Masters Green Jacket, which is, of course, the blue Winnipeg Sports Talk and Canadian Club hoodie. Huge shout-out to our friends at Canadian Club. Of course, Whiskey Fest going on. They're very much involved in that, and there might be a little Whiskey Fest in a different way coming up a week from tonight when the Blue Bombers have their home opener against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Of course, Canadian Club, the official spirit of the blue and gold, available throughout IG Field, especially up in the north end zone around the Jim Beam Stillhouse and the Brugal Rum Hut. And you can also pick up the great taste of Canadian Club and Ginger, ready to go in six packs at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts or beer store. So let's get these, uh, let's get the entries in, exclamation mark marbles. I think you all know how this works. Um, we've been taking your suggestions for who needs a marble in addition to everyone today. Our extra marbles will be dubs. Dubsy, what a performance yesterday on the program. A WST fan favorite. A lot of talk about MXC, the most extreme elimination challenge, one of the greatest television shows of all time in the chat the last few days. We will honor that with your suggestion of the one and only Kenny Blankenship. We'll also put in Rowicki. We'll also put in Big Willie J. And we definitely, Barry Trotz is in the marble race until further notice. And you know what? If he does sign, I think we might just always have a Barry Trotz. That will be something that we can offer Barry. And if he does win, well, we'll certainly hook him up with uh, with the WST uh, WST hoodie. So we'll give you another minute or two to get those entries in, exclamation mark marbles, in the YouTube chat. Remo, off air, you were mentioning something about the Coyotes. Do we do we really need to go down this road while people while people yes. put in their Marvel entries? Yes, the Coyotes Arena saga just beginning their quest to get a oh. new building built in Tempe. They had a big meeting yesterday with the town, and the town voted yes to hear the proposal in the future. That's what they voted <laughs> yes on. So they're gonna hear. This $2 billion proposal, uh, it seemed like there was a lot of concerns by town members about the reputation of their ownership. It sounds really expensive to develop the land there. Um, who knows? But they How are much longer is this going on? Like, at what point did they say, you know what? They, they were promised, look, Gary Bettman promised them a draft and an all-star game if they get it done, and... 30 years of not moving. So let's go, Tempe. Fork over your billion dollars to the Coyotes. Let's get it done. That's, oh. I don't know. Don't you like, hey. 
Haven't you seen the they posted this great video of what the development is going to look like? It's not just an arena. There's retail. There's shopping, office buildings. It looks wonderful. Can they want to make like what uh, Vegas or Seattle has, but in Arizona? Unfortunately, they've had you know twenty plus years to do this, and they haven't haven't done it yet. <laughs> All right, last call for marbles. We'll close it up. Hey, Cody Karen, thank you very much for the super chat. Great stuff. Two bucks. You know, another way if you do want to have uh, you know just support the channel on a, on a smaller level. Um, become a member. Um, if you see all our folks, uh, Kevin Kowalik, BA Split, Waiters, Rob Mahoney with the green font and the microphone, um, Nicole J, Kabilis, T. Will, Stonewall Dave, thanks to everyone for supporting it. It's $2 a month, give you some special emotes, emojis, and it's a great way to uh, support Winnipeg Sports Talk if you are a regular listener. So uh, certainly you can do that on YouTube, but we always appreciate the super chat. So Cody, thank you very much. Maybe it gives you a little bit of good karma going into this afternoon's marble race. Um, all right, Remo, how are we looking? And uh, yeah. geez, we've had a few wild, uh, wild courses over the last little bit. I, I will leave it to you, the commissioner of our marbles league here on WST as to where we're going to go today. Uh, but we have had some wild ones over the last few weeks and some very, very exciting races. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to close it now. Yeah. Close uh, it. Sounds good. Time. We got 121 people in here. So last call exclamation mark marbles. So there was someone new who's asking how to get in here and it is exclamation mark marbles. Yeah. Exclamation mark marbles. And just make sure you hit the red subscribe button. And by the way, we've got some pretty good numbers all week long, but uh, only 118 thumbs up. So uh, hit that like button. If you can, it's uh, literally the easiest thing you can do while yeah. you are, uh, while you're on the channel. I got to make sure that I put that, that graphic up that reminds people to do it. Uh, Hit the, you know, even uh, me, I go into YouTube channels and like, I don't know. Sometimes I forget to hit the subscribe and thumbs up, but it does help our video get shown to new people. And if you missed it yesterday, uh, we had Anthony Potato on. I put that as a as a featured video. He as was well. great. great. He was so much fun to talk to. That was a great, uh, great conversation. Oh, shout to Theo Seegers. He says, yeah, also make sure you pick up some of our wonderful WST merch and our, at our website. Theo bought... Uh, a couple hats, although I don't think we have too many more of those. Right those on. Well, over. very, very limited, very limited amount of uh, of lids left. Um, so very, yeah, check out WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Click on the store, number of items that are there for you. And again, we appreciate all of the support. And uh, hey, speaking of uh, that, we did the original hats, which were so popular with our friends over at Royal Sports. And as I mentioned, uh, late breaking news, tent sale this weekend, tomorrow beginning at 10 o'clock, Sunday beginning at 11. Uh, like we'll have more than 5,000 pieces of both merchandise and shoes up there, all at a minimum of 50% off. Get there early on Saturday if you want the best selection of everything they're throwing out. Oh, someone said potato. Oh, Dude, yeah, yeah. How can too. we not put a potato marble in? What are we thinking here? Okay, I will. I'll get his address to send him if he does. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if he would come wear back it. on the program and do a do, do a uh, victory lap if he actually uh, if he actually gets it. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get this thing up. Where are we gonna go today? Uh, let me get it all loaded. I'm saving the thing. I gotta get the theme song ready. It's in the right folder. People are wondering. People are wondering what the cool bet lines are on the marbles race and. 
What is that? It's essentially even numbers for everybody in because it is a computer generated physics program where we just drop the marbles and we see what happens. So yeah. uh, I guess those numbers will depend. We being the benevolent guys we are, we're not taking the juice like a normal sports book would. Um, everyone has the same chance to win, whether you're Jeff Kabilis, Rob Mahoney, Barry Trotz, Anthony Potato, <laughs> Kenny Blankenship for today. <laughs> They're all in there. Everyone's going to get one. And again, first place wins the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, our version of the Masters green jacket. Shout out to Mike Wynn, by the way, who uh, just did a, a tweet of uh, him rocking the shirt today. Really appreciate that. And um, for the last marble across the line, we'll uh, hook you up with a uh, ice cream cake from the Nick and Nikki DQ at one of their four locations, Neverville, Northgate, Polo Park, or St. Anne's. Uh, you let me know when we're ready to hit Tristan, former winner Tristan Rivers Music with the theme song for the marbles on WST. Did he contact you, Tristan? Did you? he get the hoodie? I saw him trying I, I, to win I, one again. I don't know if he I, ever I, knew that he won, but he did win. <laughs> I kept telling him, go watch the race a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, Tristan, hit us up. We've got one for you. We've been waiting for Here. it. Candace was the big winner a few months ago, and now you have come into Here. the winner's circle in one of the most legendary. There's, oh, there's our buddy Mike Wynn, who uh, was uh, on, the, on the podium a couple of weeks ago and uh, sporting it as well. Great to see him. By the way, shout out to Mike's wife, Beverly, and daughter, Madeline, who sang the anthem together yesterday at the Gold Eyes game. I know Mike was very proud husband and dad, and of course, Bev, very popular anthem singer, but nice to get Maddie out there doing it as well. Cool win family moment. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out to the ballpark this weekend. Uh, fireworks after the game tonight, 6.30 start this evening. I think we'll probably be at the game tomorrow as well, and of course, Sunday, uh, but cannot wait to get out there. And as I mentioned, I will do a nacho helmet uh, review as well as the beer bat when we get out to it. And uh, the gold eyes also uh, announced a, uh, a local beer fest coming up in mm -hmm. July. So we'll get Andrew Collier on at some point to, uh, to talk to us uh, about that. That being said, if you're at the game, see me, make sure to say hi this weekend. All right. Are we ready for Tristan's intro music to get this party started? Yeah, I think I finally picked my horse. I had to do an update, so we are ready here, and it is time. You want to do the intro for the music, or how do you Well, want you know what? We don't drop the marbles until Tristan Rivers drops the theme song on WST. Let's go. Well, yeah, we'll get this up. Shout out to everyone that just popped in. If you uh, see, see the numbers going up, if you're just popping in for the marble race, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button to be eligible to win. And uh, had a great show. Willie Jefferson on with a great deal for bomber tickets for the home opener. Make sure to check that out. Ruwicki came by. We talked a little soccer with Gareth Wheeler and uh, finished it off with a visit from Cool Bet Chris before we get into the marble race today. Uh, are we going to the dojo? 
Yeah, I was going to do the dojo. The dojo, right on. All right. Well, good luck to everyone. As we mentioned, first place, the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. Make sure after you win, send us an email. We'll contact you so you can come and pick it up. And the last successful marble to get into the bin without being thrown over the top rope, we'll hook you up with the DQ ice cream cake from our friends over at Nick and Nikki. Hey, it's been a great week. It was a record-setting month for us through the month of May. All-time highs in podcast downloads and YouTube views, subscriber growth. It's been amazing. Let's keep it going into June. And our thanks to you is Marbles on Friday. Michael Remus, are we ready to drop them? Ready to drop them. Here we go. Into the dojo we go on a Friday afternoon on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Good luck to everyone. This I don't think we've done this one before. Uh, I don't remember this part, but I think we're probably not for a long time. Some, I think we've done most of them. I'm not sure. Well, listen, I know there's so many regulars. Have we remembered the dojo before? I'm know. not sure. Rambler 231 and Eric Jorlefson and Winnipeg Chaster out of the dojo first and uh, and making some room. Rambler still first place. Seems to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a lead. He and Eric both getting shot fourth. Winnipeg Chaster as well in the mix. Rob Mahoney sniffing around there. Rebella guy, Ron P looking good. Oh, instant noodles. Lori loving life out. Brown eyed girl, MJD. Oh, oh there God. goes Tristan Rivers. Well, Tristan, not a big deal. We have that hoodie for you. Hit us. Winnipeg sports talk at gmail.com. We'll get you hooked up. Who do we have in first right now? Oh. Steve Bate. Holy smokes. Is Rebels guy going to make it? Oh, no. no, he's out. He's <laughs> no. out. So we've had some more eliminations. It looks like Doug Phil is hanging in there. Mike Ladarni, no out. Oh, we are getting just, I mean, this is like the Royal Rumble right now with how many guys are getting thrown over the top rope. Uh, so right, right now, everyone's getting dusted, but Steve Bate, Benjamin Gann, BA Split, Bozeman, but Bozeman is due for a strong, a strong finish. And I do believe he's ahead of his buddy, Ross Ransby. Shout out you guys who always have their head to head bet each and every day. All right. Steve Bates in the league right now. Oh, Bozeman's thrown over the top rope. <laughs> it's Steve Bate has survived. B Henderson is in the mix. Benjamin Gann now with a bit of steam. Looks like they just actually bumped marbles. Cruiser 24 getting into the mix. Who is it going to be? Will it be Cruiser? Will it be B Henderson? Will it be Steve Bate? The winner is Cruiser 24. Photo finish on a Friday afternoon in the dojo on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Top 10 rounding out B Henderson, Steve Bate, Camaro 928, Benjamin Gann, Rambler 231, Derek Schmidt, Phyllis. What's up, Phyllis? Oh, and Max, Winnipeg Jets forever, and Doug Phil, who is uh, very active in the chat today with some great stuff. All right, let's see who uh, who is our final one. There's been tons of eliminations, but there is still a few that haven't got in. It looks like David J. Smith is hanging around at the top, as well as Daryl Selly. Now, at this point, we may see the fire coming up soon, but it looks like David J. Smith will be the final one in. And there you go. Cruiser 24, our winner. 
and David J. Smith, the final marble into the hopper. So, guys, if you would, send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Uh, Cruiser, let us know what size you are. I believe we've still got all the sizes, uh, but I'll confirm with you over email um, as well. And, Remo, just confirm that final marble again. Yeah, uh, the final one, I think it was David. I'll just confirm. That was yeah, the craziest was... race. Uh, it was raining marbles. Yeah. <laughs> um, the whole time, over the top rope, over and over again. Uh, only 31 people finished of 131. Yeah, that was, so, uh, that, <laughs> that, that was the survival of the fittest. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, David J. Smith, uh, Winnipeg sports talk at gmail.com. Let us know which of the four Nick and Nikki DQs work best for you. Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park, St. Anne's. And uh, Cruiser, hit us with your size in an email, and we'll make arrangements for you to come and uh, pick it up. Um, hey, and speaking of races, they're back at it. If you missed it earlier, we had Darren Dunn. Great start to the year for his Cinnaboya Downs. Cinnaboya Downs is, of course, back with live racing. You can make plans, make reservations for the dining room, the Prime Rib Buffet for live racing next week. Uh, we're going Monday, Tuesday next week, and then the full normal Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule for the rest of the year. We'll let you know when we're going to do a little uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk gathering there as well. I think it was Doug Phil asking when we're going to do something at the ballpark. We'll get working on that into the summer when the, well, normally the weather would be fine in June. I mean, I guess maybe we'll wait a couple weeks. Hopefully it'll be a bit better. And by the way, I know Dallas and a number of people have been asking about the show we're going to do at Little Brown Jug. Shooting for June 24th, so three weeks today. A live show in Friday afternoon. Probably do the lock shop at noon. One to three Winnipeg Sports Talk live from LBJ and then hang around for a few beers afterwards. So uh, we'll tell you about that in the coming weeks. But if you want to kind of make a little plan or maybe decide that you might skip out of work that afternoon and come and hang out with us at Little Brown Jug, June 24th is the day for that uh, great show remo and a great week i'm looking forward to the weekend let me guess you're busy you've got a, probably a couple bar mitzvahs i know you're going to the dinosaurs um yeah. uh, do you have a, a pack schedule with uh with junior there pack schedule the dinosaurs are back at the assiniboine park zoo uh wednesday was the first day so i will be taking advantage with my zoo membership and we will be there for our first uh visit and here we got some, I just want to give some marble analytics for you. Schickster Please. coming in with, has to be a record for the fewest finishers, 24% finish rate. And um, <laughs> for anyone who's just popping in, Bailey Weeb uh, popped in, says, did I miss any Jets news? We did talk about it uh, like 15 minutes in and with Brandon about 50 minutes in. That Elliot Friedman in his 32 thoughts rating the Jets are all in on Barry Trotz and may not have had significant talks with anyone else. So that's that's what we uh, talked. So there there <laughs> yeah. you go. There's the show. And there wasn't any real breaking news, but it was interesting to hear about that as well as some, you know, oh. maybe things not as far along as some thought with Scott Arneal. I mean, bottom line is Barry Trotz is their guy right now. Until that changes, 
that is the plan. Uh, and it doesn't sound like they've interviewed any other candidates at this point. So take that for what it's worth. Tell you what, if anything develops over the weekend, you know we'll be bringing it to you on Monday afternoon. And I had to laugh just talking about our show at Little Brown Jug on the 24th. Kevin Kowalik, June 24th, all-time record for sick days for Winnipeg residents. It will make it like May uh, 31st back in 2011, return of the Jets days. No, it should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. Um, and it's been just a great week. Thanks again to everyone for their support. Again, I'm just amazed at how we continue to grow and the numbers that we had, especially in May after the Jets were out of the playoffs. Uh, but that's a good sign. It shows the passion for this team and sports in this community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got Valor FC on the weekend. The Gold Eyes are back. Playoff action tonight and tomorrow in the National Hockey League, NBA Finals as well. And of course, Canada and Panama on Sunday afternoon in that World Cup friendly uh, as we get our team ready for a return to the World Cup for the first time. Big thanks to Chris Abbott, Gareth Wheeler, Brandon Rowicki, and of course the land shark himself, Willie Jefferson. One week from today, we'll be finishing up marbles and getting down to a Winnipeg or IG Field for the Blue Bomber home opener. We'll be all over that next week as well. Um, huge thanks to all the sponsors that make this happen each and every day. Don't forget the Royal Sports Tent Sale tomorrow and Sunday if you're looking for a great deal on uh, everything under the sun, particularly merchandise and shoes. And uh, if we don't see you on the weekend, maybe out at the ballpark, we'll definitely see you 1 o'clock Monday afternoon kicking off another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great weekend, everybody, and thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.